Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 410. Hopefully you guys had an awesome Wednesday. I've had a pretty good day myself. Got an amazing guest tonight, somebody we all know and love from chat. Of course, Buddha Boy, how you doing, my friend? Uh, thank you for coming on. Tell Courtney how you're doing, and... Hopefully, they already know where to find it. Yeah, guys, good evening. Thanks for coming out to see both Eagle and I. Um, I First of all, you want to look at some pictures. There's uh, Instagram. It's got some bud pictures. Um, you know, that's kind of what we do. Um, otherwise, uh, what was that first question? Hmm. Tell everybody, how, how are you? Where they can find you? Oh yeah, I am very well. <laughs> I'm in Alaska, actually. I'll tell you that much. Um, the interior of Alaska, um, a region that we call the boreal forest, a place that I've found to be dear to my heart and to my spirit, and kind of a an adversarial environment as well. Just saying that, uh, but it's been good for uh, my growth as a human, and it's been good for my growth as you know, growing herb. So uh, that's my story, and um, you're going to hear a little bit about my story tonight. Awesome, man. Alaska. That is awesome. Were you know, we came here, my grandmother and I, I was raised by my grandmother um, in 1976, June of 76. It's June of uh, what, 2021 now. So uh, she wanted to get away from the rat race, so to speak. But our, uh, our family has some roots here, historically. And uh, it was kind of what they call the call of the wild, because it is the wild. And uh, yeah, I love Alaska a lot. And uh, there's even a place called Eagle, Alaska. So when you come to Alaska, you'll have to go see the Yukon River and see Eagle, Alaska. There's, oddly enough, an uh, Eagle, Michigan, too. Even oddly, even more oddly enough, when I decided to uh, open up my construction company, our home improvements is actually the correct title. Improvements is uh, my first house that I landed, first people that called out of the blue were from Eagle, Michigan. First couple houses, Eli Home Improvements built, built were in Eagle, Michigan. I was like, man, that just seems like everything's lining up here. <laughs> and it did yes, for sir. It's a pretty well, awesome I believe here. There's other Eagle towns. Sorry. Yes, sir. I was just going to say that, um, you know, I'll just jump right in. Um, you said, you know, when did you come to Alaska? I said 1976. Well, I guess we all have a story. And uh, I kind of thought about this one, and it's kind of autobiog autobiography or autobiographical. But mine has something to do with the Vietnam War, um, kind of starts in that era. Um, my mother and my father, my mother was 14, almost 15 years old. They got together. He had just got out of boot camp to go to Vietnam. He was 19 years old. 
a little older, you know, whatever. I can't judge, you know, they got together. But I was the end brother. Uh, he didn't know about me. My mom and my family didn't want to, you know, they would take care of things themselves. Thank you. And I can respect that. But, you know, getting to know my father as an adult, I can tell you he's a great guy. Um, but that's kind of uh, the circumstances were such that it was kind of the flower power era, 1969. I was born in 1970, but they got together in 69. And I just have to say that, um, you know, my, my mom, she got into a little trouble. <laughs> there was a little bit of trouble to get into at the time. And she was just a fun, loving girl and a, a nice woman to boot. But uh, I ended up in my grandmother's uh, care and gratefully and luckily. And uh, my grandmother was a very independent woman, but she was uh, raised by her grandmother was, who was full-blooded German. So we're talking going back, you know, into the last almost 1800s, as a matter of fact. So um, it's a complicated story. But uh, when we go back that far, we find one of my great, great grandfathers and his name is Hans, Hans Sachs Tuxen. And he, uh, it wasn't Tuxen, I got that wrong. But anyway, um, he came to Alaska during the gold rush, 1898. Uh, it was a hype for it was such that um, maybe 95,000 people set out for the Klondike through various means and routes. And uh, of which one of the more successful ones was the Chillicoot Trail. You might've seen a picture of like the line of men like going just up this mountain pass carrying. Well, they had to have one year's worth of provisions. So they had to actually go out, stake out their, their stuff, hide it, secure it, and then come back and get it and go kind of relay it along. So to make long story short, only about 6,500 people who set out of the 95,000 uh, actually got gold, you know, struck it rich or whatever you want to call it, hit pay dirt. And uh, my grandfather was one of them. <laughs> so the war is in the family. He came back to the Puget Sound area where he uh, bought a 160 acre homestead uh, of which our families deeded back the majority of it to uh, the county, but of which maybe there's like six acres or so down on the water there that we kind of call it's what well, it isn't what we call it but it's kind of the old people's place the people who'd, who'd lived there originally you know my aunt my uncle uh it, it kind of has some synergy there um i had an opportunity to once like stay in the boathouse that was there and the boathouse is where a lot of the living went on and uh it was very old, it burned out subsequently. So it was like this, you know, when you go into an old red painted structure, you know, that has the joinery of the, of the past of your ancestors, you know, milled perhaps from lumber from your own back 40. It's a good feeling, but um, subsequently we have more roots uh, uh, in, I guess in Alaska too. Um, I'm just gonna give this backstory and then I'll, I'll kind of relax on it. But uh, one of my aunts, she was a nurse in Dutch Harbor, uh, which is a little fishing village out there on the Lucian chain. Um, you know, uh, uh, my other uncle was a merchant marine 
out near Kodiak, which is a island in south 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 southern area of Alaska. It's a big place. It's where they have the Kodiak brown bear. You've probably heard of them. Uh, the Alaska king Kodiak or the Alaska king crab comes from there. It's a, a vital industry of, of fishing that goes on between there, Gulf of Alaska, and the Bering Sea, and that's a a part of our economy and it's been a significant part of our uh, heritage and whatnot. So alas, my grandmother coming from a little bit of a broken home of her own because uh, Hans Sachs went back to Germany and everybody else kind of some things fluttered about in the family, you know, people do what they got to do. Women sometimes have to pick up the pieces. Uh, she looked up to the idea of going to Alaska. She thought it was a plan, you know, she was kind of a tomboy her whole life. So she went and bought, this is 1975, 76, 76. She bought a international travel all 62 from the sheriff of Bakersfield. She bought a little 12 by eight travel trailer, which is about as small of a travel trailer as you could possibly think of. Eight by 12, I think is what it was actually. She loaded me up in our possessions and we drove to Alaska. Straight up. Right up the road, even when we got lost, we went off into Indian country and logging country there in Canada. But big adventure. But we got here in uh, June of 76 to a town that was under uh, siege by a boom. We, we actually pulled that little uh, trailer into a space that used to be a... Uh, drive-in movie theater, but it was a makeshift trailer park, you know, and that place is suburban as can be now, you know, it's, it's all real estate, but um, we lived there and uh, we got our feet on the ground and lived there about a year. She didn't ever get like, you know, grandma's intention, I don't think was ever to get hooked up with the pipeline, but she wanted to hook up on finding some rural country to live in. And she headed up, you know, the tracks that way, kind of like into uh, woods and lands kind of like yours there probably i imagine equal sad to see that drive in turning realist isn't it yeah it's just it's the mentality though it's like you know i'm not going to criticize it but it's like everybody was going for that big time they thought they were going for gold again it's another rush and I, frankly, you know, I was just along for the ride, but I can tell you truthfully, when I left California, I was very sad because, you know, we had a, we lived in the San Joaquin Valley. It's a agricultural area. It's inland of the Bay Area, inland of Oakland. And uh, we had a comfortable existence there. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, anything other than just suburban or middle class but at least there was like all this space for me as a kid you know I had one of those little big wheels you know maybe I don't know if you had a, a bike or something like that early on but when I first got that big wheel it was the three-wheeled plastic trike I wore the wheels off of it I actually went across town I explored so I had kind of a little bit of a even then I had a little bit of a shielded existence, I suppose, you know, guardian angel. I don't have a sad story. I mean, you know, I, I, I had to, I had good people around me. Um, did I make some mistakes in my life? Did I have adversity? I think so. But it was like this, 
it's not because of anybody else. And uh, I've been blessed with mentors, teachers, uh, nurturers throughout my life. I'd say that the plant is one of them. So uh, when, when we're talking about the herb, that's kind of where, yeah, my, my mom did herb. She was married to a Latino man with a 57 Chevy. They did whatever they wanted, but I didn't want to be there. So I went my way and they went their way. And what I'm saying is the culture is the culture. Um, you know, they used to, I think they probably mixed it with tobacco because they always had, they did smoke a little bit. They rolled their own, but there was always herb too. It was just funny because as a pre, a younger kid, you may not know exactly what's going on, even though you think you do. But by the time I was seven and eight in Alaska, years old in Alaska, I certainly knew what was up and knew I'd seen it before and all of that. But uh, uh, yeah, maybe that's a good time to say, when was the first time you got to smoke some herb? Most definitely a good lead in right there. That's most definitely a good lead in. So when was the first time? And... You know, truthfully, I'm going to say as a deviant little kid, I did what I wanted to. And I smoked pot when I was seven or eight. I guarantee when I was eight, but I'm pretty sure I did it when I was seven. I have a hard time differenti differentiated between those two years because we lived on a creek up north of uh, Anchorage, up in the Matanuska Valley. But it was a creek that was kind of a, weekender paradise people with air boats and jet boats and river boats would go up and down that river and go to their little cabins and once again do what they wanted to do and one of those things was smoke some herb because that was this, that was the era of um of uh the mtf um i knew of matanuska thunderfuck in 1977 in the deep part of uh you know, the Matanuska Valley easily because it's like this. People wore shirts that said uh, Marijuana Pickers Union, whatever, you know, 420, Matanuska Thunderfuck. You know, they had their own brand. They had their own culture. And uh, it wasn't just the long hairs. It was like the guys, the river guys, you know, the Vietnam vets, the truckers who were bringing stuff up to the uh, North Slope, you know, the the guys who got up in Alaska from Oklahoma and just got lost and said, I like it here, you know? So it was like this, there's always room for one and there's room for all. But the point to me is simply, uh, there were a lot of cool people and they were doing a lot of cool things. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you the first time I did smoke pot, I'll, I'll, I'll visit this because it's like, um, it's a story in itself. I have a friend who, he was a year or two older than me. His name was Lance. And uh, another dude named Patrick was showing Lance his dad's hunting rifle. And it blew off about a quarter of his skull. All right. So Lance is special, right? He, he A, lived through this thing. And B, he wears a hockey cap, ha hockey helmet around to protect his skull that's not there you know, his little soft spot. So anyway, he has some brothers, you know, and his mother may, and they're kind of a wild bunch, but he always seemed to have some herb every now and then. And we would go down. I remember the very first time it was by the boat launch. There's a little boat launch there. And both him and I 
had worked kind of as a boat boy. That means we got to ride around all day in this nice big jet boat with paying customers and make sure it's tidy and get the ride of our lives and maybe even get to catch a fish. So we were his boat boys. And this guy, Al, he was another really uh, phenomenal person, which is like, you know, kind of like when you're a kid, it seems like everybody's phenomenal, but I can tell you in retrospect, he's probably more phenomenal than I thought he was. And uh, I'll tell you why, but hold on. So we smoke out of like one of those little chamber pipes, you know, the ones that kind of like metal chamber pipes you can screw them apart and you can put a little bed in the middle or whatever. And, you know, as kids, even though we weren't always smoking, we were always high. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is, is the natural high is the one we're chasing for the rest of our lives. The kid high, the one where we ride our bike, we fucking go and just do a wheelie. We crash and burn. You know, we end up in the mud puddle. We have to get hosed off. You know, we get in trouble, whatever. You know what I mean? Is like for breaking the bike. I'm just saying for me personally, uh, those sensations are really similar. I mean, uh, when even when you get heavy, you know, or psychedelic weed, it seems insightful. And, you know, those sensations that you may have had, uh, uh, from from years gone by and that can be your teen years it can be your 20s or your 30s or 40s or just smelling a certain weed can bring you back to them but for me it was like next i saw the high times magazine like with ted nugent in it you know with this little guitar shooting out little whatever it was and i says does does ted, ted does ted nuggets guitar really shoot out fire and my friend says to me no so i read the rest of the high times magazine and this is like you know this is back in the days when they have hashish and cocaine and all that crazy stuff you know but it's like this it's all good next time i see somebody they've got a bto that's bachman turner overdrive album the best of bto sit on its side they've got a little pin through it they've got a piece of hash on that pin making a nice little smoky smoke right into a glass and they lift in that little jar and they're just oh they're just pulling it right into them and it's like this you know that hash was good i'm gonna let you respond with a cool remark <laughs> i mean i miss those days man it just you're describing what, it's, what sounds like an amazing day to me nice Nice hash, it's under the cup there, sun's staying on, beautiful sun, sunny day. And today's just like that, takes me back, takes me back. <laughs> I do miss, I do, I mean, I think you're onto something about, you know, trying to re recreate that, that uh, kid high there, as you called it there. Yeah. There's something to that, I think. I am. As a 50-year-old man trying to chase that because it's like this. I'm too young to be jaded. I, Being I jaded is no... Too. Go ahead, yeah, I, I have a lot of optimism and idealism to tap into and I don't want to be caught down by the minutiae of small, trivial fucky fucks 
I mean, because it's like this. There's so much good out there that it's just a, it's like the devil's led your hand in the wrong direction. You just say, fuck you. I'm going this way. I got, I got an old person to go visit here. You know, we're talking acts of kindness. That's kind of our motto, our creed in this club. If you're not on to it, then you should catch on. Um, it feels good to do for others and then keep doing. And it feels good to do without measure, to fill the need. And then some told there's a surplus and pretty soon not one person has a surplus, but two or three people have it. It's not like you have to have a deficit. And, uh, you know, if I was ever to make that big kill garden, and I, I haven't really gone for broke because I have, I've always had to hedge my bets. I have family, I have property, and I don't have a job, <laughs> you know? So this is my job. This is my life. I don't owe anybody a penny. Nobody owes me a penny. If they did, I just said, hey, man, we're good. We're good. And because uh, that's not the way it goes. And I, I heard a, I heard a, um, somebody was asking about another uh, person in the industry who had, uh, they had speculated somebody might have taken advantage of him, you know, genetically, like taking his stuff and maybe marketed it as something else. And what he said is, I don't put myself in a position to be taken advantage of. And that settled that so that there was no speculation. So in other words, there's, there's plenty and there's enough. There can be enough. There could be enough if we all just had that mentality right there. We waste so much instead of looking out for others. It's sick. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, just on, in dinners alone, how much, we, uh, especially here in America, you know, we scrape into the garbage that we could cut back and, you know, make sure somebody else has Invite a friend over that could use it or something like that. But you're definitely right. So, do you remember exactly what was the first uh, strain you smoked there? Oh, what you got your hands on? Yeah, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to speculate that it was probably a sativa seated you know um sometimes you've heard of this it's it's just wodo it's we weed of unknown origin um it is wodo i don't remember the whole acronym actually somebody probably has it in the chat but uh it's basically we weed of oh wodo i got it got it weed of dubious origin Nobody knows. I like uh, the the Mendo Dope's uh, new strain kind of that hits some right about there. The that what is it? Uh, none of your business. <laughs> what are you smoking at? None of your business. <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, here's the deal. Here, have a have a hit. You tell me. <laughs> I think here's the deal. Yeah. There was MTF. There was MTF, but it wasn't all the time. I'm sure of that. I wasn't buying it as a commodity or as a as a, a score. 
it was kind of like stuff that floated up on the beach occasionally and ended up in my mouth and I, you know, pulled it in. But here's the deal. Uh, you know, the Indica revolution came along, you know, not too long after that. So you could say like by, uh, you know, in Alaska, I'm sure that they were pioneers with just about a lot of these things because um, people were very industrious up here with that type of thing. But I say where I could identify Indica nuggets that was probably like from here, 83 or something like that, you know? So that can't be too far than from other people's experience. But, um, you know, the people in Alaska, since it was kind of against the law elsewhere, um, as in the federal government, we all felt like it was legal because in 1975, Irwin Raven, R-A-V-I-N, uh, he had a lawsuit against the state of Alaska and uh, it gave us our right to smoke and possess herb and cultivate it um, and up to 25 plants. Uh, a certain amount for possession. I'm not sure if it was an ounce or whatever it was, but it was like maybe more than an ounce. I'm thinking it was more than an ounce. And uh, so everybody felt kind of like they could do whatever they wanted. And these people were already like, you know, maybe they did get out of the Vietnam thing, but maybe now they're into gold mining, you know, or into, into commercial fishing or into uh, these things where you get moneyed up. You know, you end up with a payday where you've got $20,000 in your pocket, you know, or whatever, cash. Those guys like to buy cars. They like to vacation. They like to go to Mexico. <laughs> you can imagine after freezing your ass off in Alaska, wanting to go to Hawaii, you know. And uh, those genetics came here pretty quickly like they did everywhere else. But it was just a different type of person who was bringing them, I think. Um, you know, uh, I can say one thing about the Hawaiian thing. I do have an, another story kind of that I, I think about from time to time because it, it represents something significant to me. I had a friend named Sean Fine. This is 1978. So I was eight years old. He's another dude. He was like, I'll call him a leprechaun because this guy is so lucky and so magical. I'm not even sure he existed. I still don't know if he existed to this day because he took me over to his dad had this trailer that was kind of had all of his stashes of things in it. It was a nice one. It was a cab over trailer or pullover. You know, it was like a nice one. And it still had stuff that like a bag of scuba gear from his dad from Hawaii. Well, Sean pulls out this bag of scuba gear and he pulls, opens it up and he pulls out a couple of vials of the tiny black seeds in these little cigar things. And I'm telling you, there, we're like that. Um, I remember that moment like I saw a naked woman for the first time. I don't know why. It just, they were good looking seeds. They probably like maybe were from Thailand or, you know, from Hawaii or whatever. But, you know, I'm so glad I got to see those seeds. And, you know, because now, I mean, you know, in this part of my life and earlier parts of my life, to find a vial like that of seeds would be considered the mother load, you know, that type of genetic 
anyway, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of like the purity of it was what was astounding because I knew those were from some land race. I knew that. But so, I didn't mean to catch. Uh, so I mean, you're good. Is, when did you? It sounds like you cannabis has always been one of those things that it sounds like you've been pretty passionate about it from the beginning. Uh, is, is that the case? I mean, if you always knew it had medical or you know something to it, I mean, it's not like I said. It sounds like you've been pretty passionate about it. I was passionate about cannabis even when it wasn't at the center of my life because I knew it was like, you know, kind of like, you know, well, I don't see a bear every day, but, you know, I do know that bears exist and I really respect bears. Like eagle is your thing. Well, bear is my thing. You know, I don't call myself bear. I'm like a funny, I'm like a, but if you know me and you can see how it, how it would suit me. Um, no big deal, but, uh, yeah, I was passionate about it and, um, I was actually one of those athletes too, you know? So like, I can say I smoked a little bit every now and then, like I knew, had this lady girl who was a little older than me. It was kind of like a girlfriend, but we never really did anything and it would have been kind of inappropriate had we, but it would have been fun because she was sexy. Um, <clears throat> she smoked me out. She's like a waitress at this at this pl- place that I live near where I work too sometimes. And there's a little cabin next to it. And I was like your smoking friend. So it was like this. I so much love that type of experience because it was like charged, you know, good Northern Lights type of weed before Northern Lights was even a, a phrase. You know, like I'd say like, you know, 85 or something like that, 86, 85, 84, something like that. And uh, that there were some great experiences. But I'll tell you, when I did get into the sports, that uh, endorphins, you know, the body produces uh, hormones and releases them that uh, deal with the pain and things like that. But they also create euphoria and they're addictive. They're kind of like an opiate. Um those were what it was all about for me. It wasn't winning and losing. It was like getting into the, I was a bicycle racer, a runner, like cross country running, uh, track and field, uh, a ski racer, a cross country ski racer, which is real demanding. In Alaska, it's super competitive because the kids all want to be in the Olympics. I kind of wanted to, um, on a bike, I thought I was invited to uh, go to a camp when I was about 17 uh, at the Olympic training center. So I got to go at least hang out with Olympians and future Olympians and world champions. And, you know, I'm really into Alaska. Um, I'm not, I was never willing in any way to even think about like, you know, pursuing a goal or a dream like that when I realized that's what I had to do. So I have no, no regrets. You know, I had lots of fun. You know, the type of guys I was riding with were like Lance Armstrong type of guys. Some of them were pretty fucking fit. Um, Some of them were pretty ruthless, obviously. Some of them were pretty smart. But you know what? Uh, The path I've taken is as gratifying as any path could be. So I I can't complain about that. But I will say I was really into that as a kid, kind of obsessive. Then when when I went to college, everything like, you know, 
we can just go, you know, A or before Christ or before college and after college. We'll just call it BC. We're in the BC stage of things. I'm going to take a hit here. Um, go ahead. Please do. I've just finished rolling mine up. What are you smoking on after you hit that? Sure. Sure. This is a crumbled lime, which is uh, by Karma Genetics, and it's uh, citron cookies. And it's uh, there was a, a green phenotype, and there was a purple phenotype. And I am just about out. And they were promo seeds. And I even had like two more, but I germinated them, and one didn't germinate. So the point being is I might actually get another a pack of these because it's that intriguing of a taste. It has that kind of spiciness to it. Anyway, point being, um, I really like the stuff. It's unique. I like to have that unique smoke myself. Something that everybody else doesn't have. You know it. Um, tonight. Top. Oh, could, could you repeat that? I, I, I need to hear you say that one more time. I said I was, I'm smoking on some uh, six shooter tonight. Uh, Empire Breeding Co. Pretty good okay. stuff. Pretty good stuff. Well, you know what? Uh, there's a guy out there and he's in your chat occasionally and you see him every night. He's cool as shit. Top four. Top four has grown the. Um, crumbled lime and he bought a pack too so you know it's special enough for top floor and buddha boy <laughs> let's let's keep it coming <laughs> so what's what is what's the taste like what's the jerk profile on? well because it's that lime uh you know i'm talking to, i'll talk about the green phenotype because it's like this it's definitely got some lime, but it's got the spicy like cilantro taste or coriander, like coriander, you know, like the seed for cilantro is like a, it's a spiciness that's really neat. And then uh, see, I, I grew up kind of being opposed to cookies in general, because I'm a, not a hype monster in life. I was kind of like a punk rocker growing up. So if you told me to go north, I would go south till I got to the North Pole. So. But I think that I read that Karma Genetics, Karma, the breeder, said that the citron cut of the cookies was an underrated one. And as I understand it, I listen to this guy because every time he says something like that, he's kind of pushing you into a direction. An example I can say, because I'm good at listening for details because I had to wait for those details to come to me out in the middle of nowhere. So when I, you know, every interview I'd heard up to a certain point, I was like, you know, crazy uh, uh, sensitive to it and receptive to it. So, uh, yeah. I was going to tell you another tip, but it's like this. I'm a little, little uh, unfocused too. It's good stuff. Don't you like potent weed? I love potent weed. I love potent weed. You know, we were talking, Smiley asked that. I think it was Smiley or perhaps Red Bill the other night. Uh, the wormhole, you know, what's when you turn the tigers or something. 
is it you know affect you know trimmability blood structure like that effect is like first and foremost you know if it ain't good you know on that first run if i don't find something right you know you you can't you can't dress up a trigger you know what i mean it's gotta hit me or it's gone I agree. And the fact that we have the blessing to be able to actually grow it ourselves, you know, to the standard that suits us, you know, maybe it was like, I see you, uh, the grow box worked out for you, right? Nice, nice, vigorous growth, right? Um, We all are learning, right? little quick on the, the new button there. I love their boxes. They're doing pretty good up there on this second run over there in the Myers Hydro tent. And uh, they're doing good. You know, they second round and they don't show any kind of deficiencies. You know, you're using that same soil. Oh. Maybe a, a, a little bit lighter of the yield, but that's kind of unfair assessment because it's not the same strain and it's under a different light, you know what I mean? It went from, you know, the boxes being under in the 10, under thousand watt HPS to over there and, uh, right. you know, LEDs, different strain. So, you know, but I still love the setup, you know, just checking in that hole. You know, it was good enough, to be honest with you, it was good enough now that right at this moment, I would say, 70% of the plants are in some type of soil medium switched over. Excellent. So, something to be said there. Something to be said there. I think that's fantastic, you know, because it's like this. Uh, you know how it is, even if you have a, uh, a system. Sometimes there are ups and downs, you know, because there are so many other factors outside of your quote system. But it's like this, when you can get something that takes care of so many variables with one, you know, uh, medium, container, methodology, uh, and one that makes sense, that's not, not bunk or boof or buku buku, you know, to me, it's like, um, that's important, because it saves you time. And, you know, no, I know you have people who are obligated to you, you know, for medicine as a provider and things like that. So you want to have that at your highest standard. Whereas me, I'm a jackass. And if I screw up, it ain't going to be that bad. I'll just smoke it. Right. I mean, come on. It's just for me anyway, pretty much. So, I mean, I look at it as a personal improvement project at this point, not as a gardening experiment. I mean, I've grown quite a lot of plants and I'm doing really bad at it at this moment. So it's like this. I'm just saying that my, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change my personality because that is the limiting factor. You know, if you want to get a, a lobotomy, um, perhaps, you know, or like get a guru, like a guru who's going to tell you how to do your soil soil and all of that. But I just much rather listen to somebody like Smiley or, you know, a lot of the, um, cool people who come on the show uh uh i'm i'm receptive to anybody's ideas and experiences because it's like this i've probably a been there b done that c will do it again and again because it's like this the reason i do the things i do is because i like to do them that way (laughs) and that way is kind of rugged 
and ragged and it's not a beauty contest but i do at a certain point take it personal like if the thrips that i haven't seen in freaking 15 years attack my damn uh seedlings and then it's like this i'm such a buddhist and i'm going to say that in a funny way i don't want to kill those damn thrips more than anything really i just want them to go away you know I mean, I can like, you know, kind of squeeze them with my thumbs and, you know, well, I think I have some hemp soap over there. I'm going to get the hemp soap out and I'm going to spray them with hemp soap. I feel like such a doo-doo, but it's like this. Those are the things that you don't ask Smiley about because you just have to find out for yourself. So I'm just saying on some things, my dears, you just got to open yourself up to perceive failure because it's all around you and it's going to take you over eventually. And here's the deal. The invisible failures are the ones you got to be afraid of, whatever those might be. So anyway, leave it at that. Enjoy your smoke, though, and uh, always be gracious and always be kind and always be truthful. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. If everybody told the truth, we'd be better off. There'd be no liars, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's funny. This is not even funny. I like kind of the coincidence that I was talking about earlier about the, the house lining up. I was uh, running a little late for the show there, and I was kind of scurrying to get ready. And I grabbed a shirt and I pulled it up. And I, and I was like, "Perfect, perfect shirt." <laughs> Awesome. Perfect shirt for night. Buddha. The Buddha, the smoking Buddha. That's really cool. Yes. Well, you know, we've been about six months since we really talked, like at Christmas. And, you know, before that, we had our, our good friend Modern passed away. And I'm only going to say that because I'm putting into perspective the things that happened in our year, you know, and which was not easy for anybody because he was a cool ass dude. DOA, not Modern. I, I didn't, no, 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 not modern. I, yeah. I, I totally, <laughs> listen, guys, stop, stop, stop. I associate the two deeply because I got to know them at the same time, both equally at the same time, and then everything else. No, modern's a hell of a guy. He's getting his, his, his place together, and he says hi to us every day, and just send him money, okay? Become an investor. But please, I'm sorry for saying that. That's embarrassing. But an honoring DOA meds, you know, grow meds, that guy was cool as can be. And uh, I saw some of his artwork on his site. Uh, there was, uh, it was just, you know how artwork can be prophetic. You know, you kind of believe in the, 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 the other worldliness of, of uh, that type of vision, you know? It looked to me like he was seeing the future. And um, he's a brave man. You know, we all got it. I'm just saying this because it's like this. Hey, my mother died early in life or she got started early and she left this planet early. My dad is still here. He's 70, 71, but he ain't going to be here forever. Me being 50, I still got kids, you know, even babies. Basically, I've got to be here at least till I'm like 90, you know. So, but personally, if it were up to me, probably, 
I'm a real simple guy. I, you know, I could just, you know, live very comfortably off the grid and all of that. And we, we live that type of lifestyle, but um, I still feel like, honestly, as a human being that we have drive, we need drive, not necessarily ambition, but drive. And it's an in instinct and it kind of gives your life meaning sometimes. It can be like, even if it's like, it doesn't have to be like the drive to succeed at all costs, but it has to be the type of drive that gets you to return to the same beautiful place on the way home and get out of the car and go look at the sunset and maybe smoke half a joint, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I'm just saying that those, those small things that, that don't cost, if you're, if you're totally aware of, of the impermanence of life, you become sensitive to the details, more sensitive. You can slow time down. You can appreciate things more. And even when you make a mistake, you can be more inclined to kind of laugh it off. Not that, you know, you don't take yourself personal. I mean, serious. I take it personal. See me. I just said that. Um, take yourself serious. Everybody takes themselves serious. Everybody takes it personal. Don't you think that the next time that you're an asshole, that that person on the other side doesn't take it personal? And there's no excuse for it. That goes for me too. Anyway, that's, that's like it is. <laughs> so, I don't know where that come from. <laughs> Sometimes I think we don't realize the impact that uh, what we're doing in the current moment, how, how it will carry on uh, in the future with some people that are involved. That's for sure. Man, I, I was slightly slightly proud of myself today. I actually caught myself apologizing to some weeds. <laughs> I, was, I had dragged out the weed whacker and they, you know, there was a nice lunch and I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. You know what? I kind of, I caught myself with the moment and I like chuckled. I was like, oh, you're, you're doing all right. <laughs> that was not a temporary moment of insanity that was a complete moment of enlightenment i you know it's a weird year it, it's kind of it's it's weird that the journey this year has been all of both uh in knowledge and spirituality be honest with you how they've been intertwined you know i was kind of headed down the road of you know a new path in the last couple of years it is intensified greatly in the last year and then the organics the kind of door opened up and, and i kind of started realizing even more so the relationship we should have with the earth microbes plants and you know uh i've been listening a lot lately to uh, dennis mckinnon and uh oh yeah he, yeah i really believe he may be onto something that you know we may we're so out of place here you know what i mean right. i mean if you look at things in the grander scheme us you run around acting like we dominate everything 
and everything else falls into this like synergy. Uh, I think we, I think there's no coincidence that you know cannabis, uh, mushroom, and stuff like that, plant-based medicines and whatnot have kind of resurged to the forefront and kind of help remind us uh, our place a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence at all that, you know, it's, they're telling us, slow down. <laughs> this is your last day. You, <laughs> this is the flag. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, it's kind of weird, but cool. <laughs> well, you live in the lap of nature too, right? I mean, you're kind of in a, Michigan has its rural and, uh, you know, um, you know, the deer or whatever you have wildlife flora and fauna fish all that stuff right yeah there deer run through my yard morning turkeys you name it around here i think the village i'm actually in the village i don't even think there's you know a thousand residents here in the village (laughs) so it's pretty nice small townish you know rural is I was just going to say quickly, rural is underrated. So, I mean, it's like this, you know, you seem like I, I hear your everyday, you know, kind of dialogue with the community. And it sounds like you get to reach out more times in a positive manner. Or if you're in an awkward manner, perhaps it's a time for reflection or humor. You can just let it go. You know, I'm just saying there's going to be some of that weird shit, you know. But um, I think the quality of life when you, when you uh, live in a place like perhaps your living has to be nice. I tell you what, it's under you, underutilized. And uh, I think this last year, again, has kind of reminded me, you know, that I do need to get out more, do a little bit of forest bathing. Shit, to be honest with you, I'm on night two. I kind of been purposely kicking them shoes off and digging them feet into the soil there. And Great. Looking around me, checking some shit out. Today, I actually <laughs> call it what you want. Call it what you want. But I was actually I wandered around, kicking my feet through the dirt, and I was uh, I found some cool stones and shit. And I found this little guy <laughs> awesome it was it it came it came out of the ground looking like that you know what i mean i did that's way cool perfectly that's beautiful just yeah that was just running my feet to this game kind of just concentrating on just before my feet and uh and again you know call it what you want the placebo effect or whatever First night I tried it, I and I was pretty stressed, pretty stressed. where I was like, I'd be there, gonna just put everything aside, and meditate, or do something to leave to take my mind away from that situation. Or I'm like, well, why not try the earth? And I actually, yeah, let's see. <laughs> I was, you know, I'm like, I know this. Be interested, you know, hanging out, 
fuck looking at stars and just putting your feet in the dirt, talking with them before I She went outside. It was, I can't tell you uh, it did. It felt like it just like, and then you, I don't know. I was doing the placebo effect or not. I got 15 minutes a day I can put my feet in the dirt. <laughs> it, it's, it's a great form of meditation. First of all, I mean, if you just took it on concrete terms, you know, you're getting grounded, you're getting, you know, the Earth's flow of energy, you know, the synergistic, uh, oh, you know, what was it? The Dodge Hemi engine was pretty fast. So, you know, your mind is faster, so you better tame it. So I, I studied, you know, Buddhism a little bit with Tibetans when I could. You know, like sometimes Tibetan teachers would come to my town and have like a weekend or something like that. So I did that like three or four times. But now that I imagine what I just was envisioning them, I'll have to tell you a story. I, the, I think that I can't remember his name right off. It's Pialden Gatso, I believe was his name. He was in a Chinese prison for 25 years. They took out all of his teeth and the various forms of torture and cruelty that they, the Chinese people could take out on this Tibetan monk and uh, teacher. You know, he, was, he wasn't a fancy man in any way. But when I met him, he was like 80, 82 years old, maybe. And he had the greatest smile because he could pull out his dentures and say, Mankind took my teeth, but humanity gave me my teeth. And to him, the value of his teeth was not secondary. So he's a tough old man, and I, I, I lucky to have met somebody like that. Sounds like it, and I love people like that. Uh, it was, as soon as you said it, I was like, man, that sounds like an awesome experience. You, know, you don't yeah. or you know, get to study from people, you know, true Tibetan Buddhism. It doesn't come off. I would have held it together. That's right. It's humbling to me, um, you know, for various reasons. Part, part of it is I'm a sensitive human, so I was like, this it, it teaches me, you know, how to be a strong person in uh, adversity. And I'd like to think that if somebody had been trying to fuck me over for 25, 26 years and I still had a smile on my face, I'd be a hell of a man, wouldn't I? So anyway, that goes without saying. But when you do see it, it definitely reinforces that. And I believe I'm a true uh, proponent of what I call modeling, modeling of behavior and also uh, role modeling. You know, like if you have a mentorship, you know, that type of thing. Because I had that type of thing growing up. Uh, I used to kind of say this when I was fairly young. I would say, you gravitate towards that which sustains you. And, you know, just like our plants, <laughs> you know, if we can bring it into that realm, you know, the roots shoot out, you know, the florins, they get going, the oxens, they push up, you know you end up with this whole system, which in the end basically can't be stopped. You know, it goes through its life cycle. And uh, 
I guess to me that's that's important to see. And uh, when you do have people like, you know, like if you have somebody who says, oh, yeah, you can go to the Olympic Training Center and just tell them you want to be uh, a world champion bike racer. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just saying because that's people do that. There's like, well, I went to that place, to that camp, and I was actually like right up at the front, you know, or among the among the guys who wanted to work hard. So to me, that always kind of gave me confidence in life that um, certain goals you don't have to pursue exactly if they defer other goals. And, you know, I liked being able to go to college in uh, northern Alaska. And I kind of like drove cab in a gritty town. I was a bit of a pariah and an outlaw in my little town. You know, and people, you know, I think they probably were glad to see me, you know, grow as a human. I'm sure of it. But as like this, I still feel like they're adversaries. <laughs> it's just because I keep score. That's the one thing that everybody doesn't realize. Um, because I know it's not a game, but I know that some people think it is a game. I certainly know what the fucking score is. Because if I'm playing a game, I'm not going to be like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and going to do a three-point shot or a two-point shot. Well, the three-point shot gets you the game, and the two-point shot doesn't. So if you don't know what the score is, you don't realize Kareem can do this big hook shot from fucking the moon, and there goes the basketball right into that hoop, and he got three fucking points with a hook shot called the sky hook, right? So I'm just saying... You got to keep scoring this life. and uh, But here's the deal. Don't let anybody ever tell you what the fucking score is. They're full of shit. If they start telling you what the score is, I guarantee you they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. So I can't uh, see a little bit of parallels here. So you, you just had a little Buddha boy graduate in our, and at this point in life, right? So is this the same advice that you pass on to uh, looking back to many, you know? Is the... And congratulations, by the way. You oh, yeah. This, this is my fourth. Uh, is... Thanks for congratulating. I have four graduates. Um, uh, I'm proud of them all. I could list what they're all about, but you could just be certain that they're own people and they're intelligent and they have more drive than I do. Probably more ambition too. But they're allowed to live at my house, not my house. They're allowed to build their own house on my property, which is what two of my college students live in, one of those. And we live about, you know, certain distance from a university. So, you know, I'm just saying I'm willing to support your goals and uh, as long as you have them. When you don't have goals, you need to hit the road and find some goals. <laughs> and uh, they, they don't, they're travelers and stuff like that too. And I'm just like, I'm more like a uh, provincial. Uh, I'm the old man who doesn't want to leave his vineyard. You know, let the world come to me. And uh, I'm all right with that. But I do kind of want to see, I'm curious, like, you know, I've been to Hawaii like four times, you know, and almost bought property there and I always had a good synergy with the people and all that. But I just don't like to make things happen, you know, when it's time and maybe that'll be in the future. 
I'll be, uh, you know, having another place that I can reside in. And it would be a blessing to be able to uh, interact with the people and the culture and the elements on, in such an exotic place. But that's about the only place I could imagine, like, uh, taking up roots for a period of time to even, even uh, encounter. And because the people over there are so uh, magical and uh, believing and, you know, there's a lot of nuttiness too, but it's like this, A, that exists here, same exact nuttiness. But I think there's just kind of like in the, if we're going to, we'll just say like, I don't know much about the tarot deck, but in the tarot deck, there's got to be some nutty. So maybe that's the gesture or something like that. So you're going to have that shit. But when you hear of people who like are so in touch with the elements in the land, it is transforming and it's somehow empowering. You can take that wherever you go in the world and uh, harness it and learn from it and maybe even teach it or embody it. And that's kind of what uh, the power places we're kind of talking about energy a little earlier. Well, some places are, you know, really just knock out, you know, imagine this, imagine we're over in Hawaii right now. And one of the people in the um, chat, you know, there's, there's some nice guys from Hawaii in the chat uh, took us out to, you know, see the sunset. And when the sunset goes down, when the sun goes down, like if you're looking over towards Maui from the big Island, there's this thing that you can see it's called the green flash. <laughs> it's just like, but you can just rarely see it. It's just this phenomenon. <clears throat> so I'm just saying there are things in the world that, uh, you know, I like nature. I guess that's what I'm all about being an Alaskan guy. Says the Eagle left. I'm going to wait here and just talk. All right. Well, guys, that would be a good time to get up and stretch the legs and take a bong hit and freaking, you know, just chill. I'm assuming that uh, the feed is still going. There he is. All right, so it looks like Eagle's in front of his thing. And he's looking at his computer. And there's his really bright garden. Holy shit, that's brighter than the sun. Well, I see the Eagle again. I'm not getting any audio from you. Let me. I'm going to get my other phone and see if I can see what's going on through the chat. I think that's what I should do.
so eagle are you talking is it actually there you go now you can hear me okay yeah, it was okay or something. yeah you know, know that was probably a a little shop of horrors if any of that was broadcast but i apologize you know i i didn't freak out too badly Oh, Don't you're out again. My okay, you're good. Yeah, my uh, everything just shut off and then came right back on. And I grabbed my phone. I'm on my phone right at the second. I'm waiting for my computer. Oh, okay, to... okay. Well, that so, makes sense. Well, we can we're cope and deal. Live. I think that's part of the... Yeah. I'll just All have right, a bong right. hit and... Hope the chat and everybody's doing good out there, enjoying themselves. You can still grab that second device if you'd like to. Uh, if you want to see oh, that. yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> They've been enjoying it so far. I know it looks kind of rude. I always hate, you know. I don't hate, but, you know, I just, I feel guilty communicating with chat when I'm talking with somebody because, oh. you know, I always wonder if it were the other end. I'd be, I'd be like, man, is he even paying attention? Look at him. <laughs> so I, I forgot to even say that. I usually say that before a show. If you see me kind of just, you know, wandering about, I'm mm. trying to prepare a chat. All that. Well, here's the deal. Uh, I certainly, um, grateful to be able to reach out to the community and just uh say uh express some of my thanks and gratitude for uh friendship and uh camaraderie and you know even some of the competitive impulses that we have we all run together we all run fast i'm all right with that you know um i'd just like to see uh you know this is what i'd like to see for the the group as a whole is just uh you know people realize some of their dreams and their potential so, you know, I know that it, it's a lot of people's heart. Maybe they want to breed a seed or something like that. Well, don't let anybody tell you not to. You just do that. And you find out how to do it in your best manner. And you get your best genetics. And you make your best selections. And you're going to have the shit, too. Don't let anybody tell you any different. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from in my life. I have some goals. And one of them is simply to just, like, get to know the genetic, the genetics better. Uh, I've grown, you know, uh, it was my goal to grow as many different types of plants within a certain realm of, uh, reason. And that's my taste and what I have, uh, in the past, because I couldn't go buy any of those, you know, I couldn't buy any strawberry cough times, uh, chem dog. I had to source that. But when I tasted that, man, I think, geez, Chemdog with the uh, strawberries, geez, if I ever get a good strawberry and a good Chemdog, you can be damn certain I'm going to put those together. Yes, sir. So I'm just saying, sometimes you can at least narrow things down from your experience and your taste to say, well, I do have a little bit of experience. I've, I've encountered this. I'm not just like making something up. So I'm going to make my first F1s this, this summer. I got, you know, maybe uh a certain number of plants to pick from but my problem gets to be always that i want to plant everything and then i have too many cultivars and not enough um 
maybe phenotypes from each of those cultivars because you know we're limited on how many plants we can actually have and not feel it we're, we're somehow we're somehow being um, some type of mastermind some botanical mastermind you know so and that's what i am i'm a botanical mastermind but so are you <laughs> I'm just trying to encourage people to pursue whatever it is, but I think a lot of people in this group have a lot to contribute to the genetics game. And I know that nobody's gonna believe me who like, I know what, what Eagle has said in the past, but I think he would agree as a tool of self-exploration and self-sufficiency and maybe something that could, like if you did come across it, something magical could change your life. I think that's a pretty good uh, thing to do while you're creating good medicine. Uh, when did actually you kind of briefly touch on it when did growing come into the scene of things when was the first time you grew what was that like well i'll tell you um kind of the scenario was when my 100 dollars bill couldn't even get me a bag of weed i mean you know come on that's bullshit you know i was like at a certain point in my town or my situation wherever i was but Beyond that, I'd been exposed to growing here and there. And I even say that one of my best influences uh, grew the Northern Lights five by Hayes. And I got to smoke that regularly and observe the culture of the grow room, you know, year in and year out with him. But that's not really growing. So I ended up one summer helping this man, man, um, move he was a african-american man and he had been a ivory carver and artist up in i think it was kotzebue which is very rural alaska on the coast it's like you know where um anupiat uh, eskimo live and he had been married to a native woman i believe uh and Anyway, his life had come, you know, had its ups and downs, but it's like this, he'd been living kind of small and as a bachelor and kind of set in his ways, so to speak. Uh, and he was going to move back to Alabama because his, his uh, sister inherited some property. And uh, along the way, he gave me some bag seed. <laughs> and uh, it, Lawrence gave me this bag seed and I took 12 of these bag seed of which some were like bird seed I'm pretty sure but I put them in 12 little containers and all of this and I was working uh seasonally in a place out uh in another part of Alaska so I told my friend to water these little seedlings and of course he didn't he didn't water them and I was gone maybe 13 days but there was this one plant this one seedling that somehow mysteriously amazingly was alive and i grew that out with a cfl i budded it under a cfl i mean i got like 40 grams of shit that had so much fertilizer in it that it practically sparkled it burned black it was really bad i mean it was really bad and uh but i did get things underway and uh Actually, no, I, 
it's hard to think. I did. I think I grew another uh, seed from that another time, and that plant produced 80 grams. And uh, that was an epic plant for me. I was like, man, I, I just produced an 80 gram plant off of that bag seed. But soon, not too long after then, I'm looking through the damn high times. And I know, like, I'm begging people for bag seed. I'm like, man, I'm going to open this program where if you give me your bag seed, I'll give you some other bag seed. So we'll have like a real cooperative here. So you just get me your bag seed. That didn't, that wasn't going to happen. So I saw seeds for sale. And when I saw seeds for sale, I knew like you could get the Dutch seeds back in the early nineties, you know, but I didn't know you could get stuff. So uh, that became like, you know, that might've been 13 years, something like that. You know, I haven't really counted in the sense of that, but it's been going solid since, you know, and pretty much 24 seven, if I've got a plant, you know, a couple of times I've messed up. So I didn't even have stuff in the bedroom, but you know, that happens. But uh, in that time though, I hesitate to say my experience with cultivars because I actually have a, a broad range. I just don't. It's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like everybody has a broad range of experience with cultivars. Um, but I, there's a, there's a million I haven't uh, tried, especially of the uh, uh, kind of, we're going to say trendy variety. And that's not in any way really saying anything bad about them because uh, the plant is not bad, first of all. And uh, second of all, there's some amazing stuff that's being uh, produced today that was not being produced in the past and there's amazing stuff from the past that's not being produced now um humbly speaking i think i have the skills to learn to grow most of it you know not saying like i have 120 days under my belt but i've done 100 100 day plants you know and i've done you know the i kind of maybe a little picky you know like i will say this what I do come across a breeder that I like, you know, like you guys all got along with Subcool. You saw you had Simpatico and uh, relationships with them, business dealings as well. Um, I like to run gear of the same person after I get their trust or they try, I see eye to eye with kind of the style. I feel like I'm learning something from this. Uh, and they're, so I would say like, company like rare dankness you know they're a really great company everybody knows that the ghost train all that stuff that leroy all that stuff but you know maybe i did like eight or nine of their cultivars maybe uh you know dna well they've been around for a long time and they've done a lot of strains so i've done more of them you know and i've gotten freebies and stuff like that and i did that too i would like go when am i going to make my order it's when I'm going to get the best promos offered at me. And so I'd, I'd go for the time when I'd get like for $225, I scored 60 seeds or for $325, I got 70 seeds, you know, cause somebody threw in a, a full pack or a, uh, whatever, but, or, you know, uh, maybe a mix. I'm just saying I got to, I learned to play that game and I'm kind of glad I did but it was no substitute for uh, the culture, I guess. So uh, in a, where I'm from, everybody still keeps to themselves. <laughs> Unless you want to do something commercial, you want something to do, like, you know, you want to play the game, you're not going to go talking to them and you're not going to be talking to them 
like that and about that because you probably know more about it than they do. So if you're the man, then be a man. <laughs> what I mean is do your homework. I've been doing my homework for 15 years about genetics, the genetics that are available, not, you know, genetic, not the genetics. And um, I think you owe it to yourself or one would owe it to themselves to know what's out there before they uh, just jumped in. And like I say, no, I haven't tried wedding cake, you know, but I've tried ChemDog. You know, I can, I can find these things that are, you know, within these things that I know what they are. And when I try it, I'll be like, I even gave my son a, a wedding cake seed because it was a um, feminized seed and I don't want to grow it. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying that we, we make our choices. I try to um, think of things as this way. Right now, I look at my grow. I call it a, a lifelong pheno hunt. Lifelong pheno hunter. I'm looking for that one that sticks out in my life that's like my wife who wanted to marry me 24 years later we're together still that's just one you know you can maybe have a couple you know if you want you could even marry sisters for all i care but it's going to come with its own uh implications so i feel like i've seen some of the crosses that people in our community are making smiley dow a number of people i really respect the fact that they're going they're doing it they're establishing uh lines they're um trying to do the right thing they're learning they're sharing i mean that to me has integrity and it's like this i've had enough marginal success at certain things in life to know that if you do your homework and you do work hard and you do have a, a dream a realistic one i'm just saying there's a place for you at the table you may not you know sell every Thing you've ever created but you'll you'll come up with a place at the table and uh i think that's cool that's all i'm saying so i i'm supporting the community and i'm a, a little impressed with what i've seen so far uh the willingness within our amateur or hobbyist group to share with one another when people in professional communities have a difficult time doing that themselves so that's just what i think Yeah, I appreciate you uh, being, uh, you know, I appreciate you doing, throwing your head in tonight more than you know, especially uh, it has helped me uh, get a little time to get things back rolling. Uh, man, I was a little leery coming, you know, coming back and things lined up. I still got to work on things, but you and a few other great folks in the community you know, help buy me a couple of days, that's for sure. Uh, donate your time right off the bat without me having to track somebody down. You're like, I got you, brother. I got you. I got you. That, that means a lot. The main thing I'm going to say in response to that is, um, you know, it's a good time. You know, I, 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 uh, I'm like everybody else, you know, I have my ups and downs. You know, but uh, my life would be less if I didn't have people in this community to either react to positively or react to negatively. It don't matter. But it's like this. I hope for my goodness sake that it's a positive thing because I think about things for years. <laughs> and, and thirdly, 
Um, I just try to keep it humble. Um, it's not a pissing contest, you know? I mean, nobody can walk in anybody else's shoes. It's hard to understand that, you know, the guy who's an a-hole, that he's in pain or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, uh, we're all in pain, first of all, but it's like, uh, it's hard to understand what the impetus is, but you know, you know that even the people who you have a hard time getting along with, occasionally you do find ways to communicate and have common ground. And I do think that this cannabis community heals a lot of those uh, barriers or uh, obstructions. And uh, because it's a psychoactive drug, it is also a psychotherapeutic drug and you know the medical community addresses a lot of things but they have a hard time saying you know this is going to help you with your depression um i'm just saying it seems like it's a no-brainer you know people smoke weed and they feel a little better sometimes they feel a lot of better sometimes they just go clean their room you know that's a, you know whatever it takes but i'm just saying that uh it's all medicinal. That's a good way to keep it humble. You know, you, you look at people who are in need in this, uh, you know, people who can't breathe, the children, all that stuff. Um, I have a couple of subscribers who, who, uh, who, who work with those kids and stuff. And, you know, when I see somebody smiling and they got their arm over the guy next to them. And, you know, you can see what a difference it's making to them. It makes me want to create some medicine, even if it's just for my family or for my lady, I know whose cancer is in remission, you know, I, I can give her some THC dope every once in a while, but it's like this, I'd like to give her some real stuff that makes her, uh, you know, live longer. So anyway, that's, that's what I think about that. And uh, I think that in our community, though, uh, the people like Johnny Canaseed, you know, he's come into this game, you know, fairly recently, but he does the work of 10 brothers, 10 men, as far as his, his productivity and his willingness to contribute and his flexibility. I'm just saying that to me, people like that make a difference in my world. So the challenge is, is to A, how can I make a difference in other people's world? B, how can we be respectful in this community and not be over flooded by who cares? Did I, I'm, you know, I would mention certain political events, but I'm going to not even mention it just to make this a free experience of that our relationship transcends politics that's all i'm trying to say and that goes for all of us and all points of view and it's like this you don't have to be on one side or the other honestly just be respectful and uh don't don't force your views on other people it's not nice <laughs> so what are you doing I am fixing to roll up another one of these uh, six shooter drawings. And uh, 
hang out with a, a great guy from the community. <laughs> yeah, cool. well, I'll, I'll tell you who else is oh, a nice my. guy, and we all know. Before we get too far into American One, wanted me to remind you one more time to get that other device up so you can see what they're saying in chat. Because oh, okay. I'll try to do that. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure how good at this I am, but I can try. Yeah, Tao has been a friend in need because he's one of those guys who every time he says hi and he says hi every time he says it in a way that makes you feel good about yourself because you know frankly it's not easy being a superhero sometimes you know you don't feel so hot but Dow when I see him he lights my fire so I have a lot of respect for him and he makes good seeds. And he's a little bit of a perfectionist. So I think that he's going to um, learn a lot in this period of his life. And he's going to excel. And then he's going to accelerate. Accelerate. So that's my prediction for our good friend, Tao. Definitely good kid. That's for sure. Always enjoys One of the diehards. He's been, in, he's been involved been part of the show now from practically the beginning or at least 15 I think I think 15 for sure he's been a weed there for a long time but he's been hanging out pretty tough since 15 <laughs> he has my respect and you know I remember the day that he uh, unmasked you know literally like showed who he was and guys whoever doesn't know that guy looks like surfer guy Ken, you know, Barbie and Ken. So I have to assume that he's a high roller and uh, he just blesses us every now and then. His feet barely touch the ground. But you know what? He is one damn fine specimen of a human. I still don't <laughs> think just... it was him. I think that was a Halloween ruse, to be honest with you. I still think it's fucking. He's Van Diesel, and he just, yeah. What well, I mean, think about it. Think about it. He, he when did he, when did he face or you know, show the face there? Halloween, a time to put a mask on, right? So, <laughs> would it be to just like have a buddy sit in a chair or something and just talk, you know, off camera? You got to see my face, no, you did. <laughs> I think I still think it's Van Diesel. I think he's still pulling, like you said, pulling, pulling the wool over eyes. There, he's a great person, but not totally revealed. <laughs> well, he's he's a hell of a guy, and here's the deal: I could, if I could shout out each and every person here that I kind of know, and those that I know a little bit better, and those who I know a little bit better, I will not. Uh, hold back on the praise because it's like this i truly believe that people do not receive enough praise in this world and it's like this to be grateful is to be able to share that gratitude and to be able to see that in another person to me is ideal but it's free so <laughs> you know give it a go
Um, I'm going to have a bowl here too. Everybody, it's not 420, but we can all have a. Cheers, Buddha. Right on, right on. I'll tell you the truth. I did have a little bit of anxiety about the show because like most people decide to go on the show a few days before or they get a contact or something like that. But really, honestly, I thought about the show for six months because that's kind of when we, we first had talked about it and I made myself receptive to it. But here's the deal. Truthfully, I'm not the same person I was six months ago and neither is the outside. Six months ago, it was minus 20 outside. Right now, it's probably about 70, 68. It's cooling off. It's not entirely warm, but it is uh, getting to the point where we have 19 or 20 hours of daylight, probably 20 hours of daylight, what they consider daylight. So that means essentially it doesn't get dark out. And that to me is going to be a challenge because when I, um, this is what I want to do. And this is kind of a weird thing to say, but it's true. I'm not really into autoflower um, or ruderalis, as we always knew it, you know, Siberian ditchweed. But it's my idea that since I live in this latitude uh, here at 200 miles beneath the Arctic Circle, when we get all this light, I want to select through regular seeds for plants that exhibit autoflower tendencies and breed with them and see if I can get it to stick. Because I kind of like the old regs and I just, I don't know, I think it exists in the genetic too on that level. So if anybody has any ideas about that, let me know because I'll be studying this for the next 30 years. And, um, you know, it's just one thing that makes sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It costs so much to heat, um, heat in a room here, heat the room when the electric's off. I mean, when the lights are off. Uh, it's just, un I pay a lot of money to grow weed. I mean, everybody does, but I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I didn't get rich. Hey, I didn't get rich. <laughs> um, just to, to talk uh, in a way that's respectful. I see uh, there may be other Alaskans out there. Hey, hats off to all Alaskans. If there's any Alaskans, yo, um, we're all keep to ourselves. And, uh, you know, but they're great people. And the genetics up here, I think, in the woodwork, so to speak, are really amazing. Um, it's not just Matanuska Thunderfuck or there are versions of blueberry. There's all the stuff, regional versions of a lot of things that have existed for a long time, hash plants, things like that, old school. Um, you know, sometimes uh, everybody remembers like what we called tange. Tange was this tangerine skunky little weed that um, you guys probably smoked too, but it didn't really get you that high. So it's kind of funny, but you'd wait for that tange or, you know, when I was younger, I thought that Northern Lights, I thought that there was a Northern Lights blueberry, like it was a big strain, but it was probably just a cross. I didn't really understand that. You know, I was like, oh yeah, the, the Northern Lights blueberry. 
that's a cool, cool strain. <laughs> so I'm just saying there's a, uh, you know, when I worked in the cab business, everybody knows a plant named Elvis, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an Elvis plant. Well, Elvis was, uh, you know, the stuff that killed Elvis, everybody probably smoked something like that. Well, anyway, that stuff made a guy, you know, his rent. That's what that stuff did. That stuff made a guy his rent. So what I called that era and what I've called the style of um, uh, attitude is subsistence growing. And what that consists of, all, first of all, is paying your electric bill. Okay. And then secondly, uh, maybe getting your kids some shoes. And then thirdly, you know, putting some food on the table that isn't limited in, you know, it's nutritional value and things like that. And uh, paying for oil, heating oil. Heating oil was 435 a gallon for a while there. Uh, it's, it's not hard to have a electric bill over $500 if you're not watching it. So I'm just saying, that's a lot of money to come up with cash and carry. I don't owe anybody anything. I don't put anything on the credit card. I'm just saying there is, you know, if you saw, uh, you know, we build here, we're building another structure. We just did some dirt work. Well, you know where that came from? That came from our stimulus money. I finished a house with the stimulus money. That's what I'll say at the end of the summer. Couldn't have done it without it. So I'm grateful, you know, because I'm not going to go to no bank. It'll take 10 years to build this house for all I care, you know, but it's ours. We pay our taxes, property tax, you know, things like that. But uh, all I'm talking about is the facts of life of self-sufficiency. So when you have weed in your life, it's subsistence grow. It has to pay its way. Either spiritually or, you know, whatever. It's got to, it's got to have a, it's not just, a, and here's the deal. If you have any interest in genetic potential or anything like that, or doing any pheno hunts, I suggest you don't count your plants because, you know, there's something called the exponential growth model. And, you know, you take two clones this time and, you know, dot, dot, dot. And then you got 20 different cultivars already. And then you don't know how many are male or female and dot, dot, dot. And there's even, shoot, there's, you know what I mean? It just goes on and on and on. So um, that's, I weigh out all of those things kind of like a risk assessment or a um, an impact statement when I do anything. Why you may ask? Well, because I've got a little bit on the line and all of it is mine. Anyway, I'm not, I'm, I'm a serious person, but you know, and I'm not prone to kissing ass. I'm not being like funny about it either. It's like this one thing you will, if you know me, I don't kiss ass. Not, I mean, I'll, I'll kiss my wife's ass, you know, gladly. <laughs> but the point being is that I don't want to hear about no cryptocurrency. You know, that's got nothing to do with me. I couldn't give a fuck. I'm serious. Get real. Read a book. I'm not, I, th those things make me feel antisocial. 
those attitudes, those insecurities that you can feel in life. So I do have strong defenses towards them. But it's like this. It's not that um, I just say that be careful because it's like this. Freedom is not something that you want to gamble with. And freedom is not just a jingo. I'm just saying, you know, it's not a phrase. Freedom is living without fear. That's about it. And that, you know, I, that's one of the things I have never made been rich from cannabis, but do I get to the place that I have gratitude because of it? Hells yeah. You know, any day that I am out busting my back, you know, making the same living I could possibly make. And I don't, you know, I said that today, you know, I, I live a farmer's life, just like farmers. I'm pudging shit. There's ups and downs. You never know when fucking things are going to go haywire or whatever. But, you know, it's a price you pay to wake up and just, you know, be able to take five minutes, ten minutes, put your feet in the dirt before you take off, plan your day, not have to rush. Uh, I'm very grateful for, you know, uh, cannabis and that aspect and being able to take care of others and, you know, just live a fulfilled life, you know, it's not the only thing I do, obviously, you know, I still work, but, you know, has cannabis made yeah. my life a lot easier or throughout my, my journey? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I owe a lot yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, not just, you know, for that but as a get me by medicine to help others you know that's another thing too i talked to uh, a doctor today who i'm doing some work for who's very open to cannabis it's been kind of cool to speak with a physician that is open to cannabis but that's the thing you know, i was arguing that you know it's a great medicine and it helps all people on so many levels I, you know, I just, I, I will fight and argue for it as long as I can. And, you know, she sat there and listened and smiled and was very open to everything I had to say and was very great. And that's the thing. That's the actually the second doctor that I've come across lately that has been just bright-eyed, bushy-tailed about the whole subject, cannabis. So awesome. That is so good to hear. And here's the deal. I will tell you the truth of the matter. Um, you know, I always felt like the herb that I grew and has always been grown with the intention of being medical marijuana, you know, medicinal. And uh, I haven't had the pr privilege or the honor to be able to, you know, work in a capacity in which I could distribute such medicines. You know, it's not that I uh, they don't exist, but I think that the best thing to do is to, uh, uh, since, you know, A, um, I do know a lady who is, like I said, recovered from cancer, and it's been, you know, maybe six months since I actually uh, hooked her up with an ounce. 
well, here's the deal. I've got these tiny little buds, the smallest buds I ever grew in my life because I had this plant that I got all the, okay, here's, here's some news. First of all, tell, tell everybody you can over fertilize with organics just in case you didn't know. I, of course, you know that you guys have never done such a thing. Well, I had some lockout on these little things and here's the deal. They were, I had too much stock. So I kind of kept pushing stuff back and well, anyway, I had this, these things for over six months and it was like, you know, before a, I was trying to bring them back, you know, so they get into a nice vegetative state and two of the plants from that little group. And this is no surprise in any way. It was like, you know, dude, I would just give up life. if I'd gone through that. Well, they got the tiny smallest buds I've ever grown and a lot of them. So I'll probably what I'll do and it's nothing personal, but it's like this. I'll just take all of those, cure them nicely, clean them up, give them to this lady and she'll love them. And I'm just saying, that's just an everyday thing. You know, anybody, I'm not saying a big deal, but that's how the inclination that, that I, I feel. Uh, and um, when I feel that, when I feel kind of like called by my conscience, then I usually do things. And that's, I honestly, you know, if I was like, you know, one of those Robin Hood type of characters, I just love nothing more than to grow on a hillside and give it all away, you know, all time, all day. But I, I just think that, well, after a while, everybody'd have a lot, wouldn't they? But I'm just saying that would be gratifying. I was, I think I vision that with every friggin' lottery ticket that I've purchased. I honestly, I there you go. That vision. And I've you said know that what? before. I, back, uh, this is like probably five years ago. I'm sitting in, uh, we were talking about uh, medical cannabis and we were talking, we've seen the recreational side of things and how the system was going to tighten up and possibly uh, eliminate us caregivers, much like they're trying to do nowadays and he was like man i think i'm gonna jump now <laughs> you know oh, business man. is good i'm <laughs> grateful if they you know I'm, i made my money i think it, it could be possibly a time to tap out i'm like really really he's like what would you do i'm like dude if i had, if i could come across the cash i would put up a greenhouse and i would grow as much shit as I could, and I would give away all of it. And I seriously would. If I could just live the same shit I do right now and fucking be able yes, to do that on a daily basis and do what I want, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Uh, and happily, happily, I would. Well, there's a tradition in southeast alaska and what we're going to call it we'll say I, there are several uh southeast alaskan uh indigenous tribes but we'll just say the clinket or the haida they're the further north uh, group of they're the kind to do the carvings and things like that and what they do is uh traditionally there was a potlatch and a potlatch was a giving away it was a gifting ceremony it was where the chief or whomever it was, but I think it was usually an on somebody of, of high position 
at least it was it was a status thing to do this they gave away cedar box blankets certain blankets that were beaded they gave away canoe they gave away this they gave away that and basically the person who gave the most was the most honorable man so when you had a potlatch it was a big deal it was a redistribution of wealth you know a lot of things um i don't know all about it but as like this i am aware of it and they do have you know parties like that party you know uh uh, actually, even in other tribal uh, distinctions throughout Alaska, where in honor or memorial of a elder or a youth or somebody who passed, you know, uh, certain ceremonies and activities take place. It may be simply having a dance and some bingo at the bingo hall, you know, and with other community events. But it is a, a formal, uh, sometimes a grieving process, sometimes, you know, all of that. So I've never asked this question. What has has uh, had the greatest impact on it? Would it could it would it be cannabis community cultivation or use? Well, you know, for a long time, I think I was uh, you know kind of just a stoner. But it wasn't I was just a stoner. I was this madman who drove a taxi cab at 100 miles an hour across town, 225 miles each night and didn't get his ass beat up by bikers, you know, things like that. So in other words, whatever kind of energy it takes to keep you moving through the fog, you just go with it. And I wasn't a, a substance abuser, you know, per se, you know, so a little bit of weed and a little bit of a uh, caffeine and my natural disposition towards uh, adrenaline and uh, hypomania was such that, you know, it was just a perfect fit. And, you know, the very first times, of course, I had had, uh, uh, I've had access to some wonderful weed, you know, that healed me, uh, that helped, you know, keen my senses, uh, perk my perception, uh, heal my mind, you know, uh, and allow me to move forward. But the way I look at it is it's kind of like um, what they used to call something like hunter's magic. You know, you know, the primal ideas, you said you studied McKenna a little bit and these things. Well, the point is, is, you know, maybe in the past they uh, took the mushroom, maybe in the past, you know, they took the tobacco, maybe in the past they took the uh, whole, uh, the soma, uh, you know, there's all these great words for uh, this nectar of the gods that we're looking for in co consciousness, um, you know, in the Bible. I think that there's Chris Bennett. He's the guy who talks about uh, the history of cannabis and he calls it cannabosum. That's the ancient uh, oil, the healing herb, you know, that could have been imbibed by priests in their little tents prayer tents you know kind of like get their head in there and just kind of like you know oh boy so the point being is that the spiritual aspect now that we work through the whole question i think the spiritual aspect of cannabis is what attracted me to it because i don't have to go entirely crazy i don't have to go to a monastery i can just go to my home 
and grow the best herb that I have and get in tune. And it turns you on to things like reggae music. You know, everybody can be like, oh, yeah, Bob Marley, Buffalo Soldier. Yeah, man. Well, here's the deal. It's a huge culture. There's history. There's an affinity for spirit. There's a righteous living. If you're into like, you know, uh, I tell lifestyle, you know, being vegan or, uh, uh, you know, there's ideology, you know, Pan-Africanism going back to Africa. I'm just saying each, even cannabis has its set of mythologies. And, you know, they're finding that, you know, of course, Buddhism, you know, they had, they find the, the monk's little chalice and it has the hashish in it, the temple ball, and they try it, you know, how many thousand years later, <laughs> a long time ago. And, they, and then they, they, they say, shit, this shit is good. This is hash. And, you know, you think, well, that Buddhist monk might have just liked that hash. And then um, there's uh, bong, the drink in India, uh, that's the yogurt-like with the cannabis in it. And people drink a whole bunch of it, you know, to the point where they can. I heard this. uh, I'm actually repeating this. This is actually somebody else's line of thought. But they said they drink it so often or a certain amount. And then they put them in a cave till they have a vision you know, from this cannabis drink. So it's just like, imagine taking that thousand uh, milligram edible and you're somehow your body's just tuned into that that day. And then suddenly you're just on this big, huge fucking death trip. (laughs) I'm just saying, or whatever. But I mean, anxiety trip. I'm just saying, that's what I think of when I think of overdoing that type of thing. But uh, same with mushrooms even, but it's like, all I'm saying is that it had to have been the fact that it's a minor, minor uh, hallucinogen, definitely a, um, uh, I think it's called entheogen or something like that. It's like uh, creates spiritual states. So I know that sounds ridiculous, guys. I, I, I like ChemDog too. <laughs> no, I believe it does have a huge, huge, huge place in spirituality uh no doubt no doubt that's for sure and uh, as far as seeing the visions i i, I would like that I would, I would try like a, a cannabis like dmt kind of cocktail like that i would it would yeah. be pretty awesome uh i would too <laughs> Let's find out where it is and what it is, because it's it's got to be good. And imagine the goddess just comes right into you. You become her. It's just like a union of the Shakti or whatever, the Kundalini. And then you fucking have like some type of eruption. And then you have the Nirvana. <laughs> I'm just being crazy. But it's like, in fact, go ahead. <laughs> Mr. Redfill, uh, 710. Uh, about a month or so back about uh, psychedelic honey that I and it was oh. the same thing. It was right along the lines of like a DMT kind of hallucinate. And, I, and it, the journey alone, just get it, you know what I mean? Harvest it and all that and, you know, it's kind of like the same kind of journey you would take with the, the you know, traveling to take proper DMT. Uh, which would be awesome for like Peru or some shit like that. Just do it right. But uh, I thought, man, that'd be so so freaking awesome to you know just the experience. You know, go harvest it. It's crazy what they did. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine it. 
honestly, from like a person who like isn't sensitive to nature, like I've got a bee over there, or it's a hornet or something. He's been under the light for like three days. And I asked my wife and he isn't bugging nobody, but it's like, I, and here's the deal. I, I, I'm not like a purist or anything, but it's like, I just think it would be so beautiful to ingest honey that was gathered by bees that had some type of uh, consciousness enhancing quality that it would be like the most pure sacrament that one could think of. I mean, it would, it could, it could be, it, it would be amazing. It has to be. I think these are amazing. I think you'll see some type of, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some out there already like uh, honey infused THC. But I think eventually you'll see just like it's something that we're talking about naturally uh, gathered, from, you know what I mean? A hive set right in the middle of a, you know, a big row and it just, you know, gathering it off the flowers, making the honey off it like that would be just, that would be pretty, I, you know, and I would think that would be pretty hallucinogenic because it would be you know, all, you know, young trichomes being, you know, gathered at the, it, you know, all throughout the process. There was, simply stated, there was, uh, you know, we've all heard of it before, the Greek gods, they ambrosia, and that's what it sounds like, you know, it sounds like something as exotic, you know, something like a deity could have even come across and gotten whacked and started his own religion and, you know, had 1700 children and then fought 16 wars and dot, dot, dot. But that's pretty funny. Well, I guess that um, one of my favorite people out there and somebody who I actually think has influenced me a bit on this stage of my life from our community, and this is going to be odd. It's not odd. Um, the Stu Moo. Stu Moo simply like, you know, kind of took my hand in a couple of directions because we kind of were both kind of like out there in left field just a tad bit and what I mean is we're we're friends and you know he he, he a got me to start my Instagram and which is fun for me because I like uh I, I like weed and I do like photos of weed and I actually studied photography a little bit but it's like this the challenges is just to look at the plant in a different manner and to make it a regular part of your process so that you're actually looking at your plants while you're taking pictures of them. And then it's actually like a, a, a study. It's like, you know, uh, akin to a, a botanical person sketching out pictures of flowers and things like that, you know, like they used to do. So I really enjoy that. And then secondly, was just simply the Discord, uh, which I've gotten to participate with Lemon Hoko's group periodically and uh you know you've got to step outside of your uh comfort zone whatever that may be and if you feel like one step is too many well we're not talking baby steps like that one movie but we're talking about then just make a half a step i'm just saying because that step is so essential to your personal growth 
that you don't even know what's going to come back at you, but you've got to feel that it's worth participating and that the active process of participating, uh, it, it can be transformative. I'm just saying it, it helped me a little bit. Uh, cause if you're on your own too much, too often at certain times of your life, you can be a little isolated. And, you know, if you're one who's used to kind of like, you know, being in control of, of things in your world and your situation, then um, who are you going to answer to? So you got to answer to somebody. So why not answer to some nice people? Hold yourself accountable. If you do make an ass of yourself, just go back and iron it out. Time heals. This is virtual, but it's not virtual reality. I'm just saying that uh, everybody here is willing to give everybody else a second chance. You can't say all you're doing is you're doing words in here, but it's like this. Words have consequences. So that's what I studied in uh, school. I studied English. That's writing and literature and philosophy. And I like the Eastern philosophy. So uh, after... 10 years of going to college for a four-year degree, I did get a degree in English from my state school and I paid off my student loan too. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, have you done it? Have you, have you done, uh, you know, before it's anything with it? No, no, it's a, I don't think I would ever make, a, you have to get an advanced degree to teach uh, English, but the one probably uh, thing that I didn't, uh, that I didn't, um, hold on. Oh, thank you. They're over there. I. I was having somebody whisper at me and I couldn't figure out what they were saying. And the fact is, is that I got, just got handed a flute pipe. I mean, like a, not a flute pipe, but like a, like bird flute. And I'd love to just be able to blow your mind and just play this bird flute. Like, you know, like a guy on ayahuasca, but that guy ain't me. <laughs> I, I lost total track, bro. I must've been bullshitting. Yeah, that is a cool flute. Cool. See, I, I I do get to be the possessor of exotic uh, instruments and things like that because I think at one time I was I managed and kind of uh, theoretically owned a uh, kind of a hippie store, you know, like a alpaca sweaters, you know, hemp stuff little drums, things like that. But it really wasn't mine. It was just, I, when I look back in um, time, it would be easy to say I was like a badass um, business owner, but really I all I did is I held on to it till the, the ship went down another season later. So, good uh, boy, as should be, you are gaining some fans in chat. And like I said, it's a great guy. It's one of the opportunities of kind of 
doing this, I think, is you do get the opportunity to, you know, show the voice, the spirit behind the, the words of Chad. But Mr. Scotto and Chad was asking, could you please uh, shout out your Instagram so he could give you a follow? Oh, sure. Hey. I love you guys, all my friends there. It's cool. All the new guys, it's cool. All the old guys, it's cool. But uh, if you do want to look at just a little bit of uh, weed pictures, um, it's Buddha Boy 7 Instagram. I think that's probably how you could find it. And uh, uh, I welcome you to uh, the journey. And if you follow me, I'll follow you. You know how that goes. I'm not a guy who likes to get followed and I don't follow. So, um, and, uh, if you have a pretty picture, I'll probably put a heart on it or like or whatever they do. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Saran. Thank you. See, this is very uh, warm of, warming of you. Came on my phone. Yeah, guys, I'm just going to encourage you. Just saying, you guys out there in, in chat land and everywhere, um, just live your dream. Don't let anything get you down. These weird times, they're weird, but it's like this. You cannot take it personal and uh, you can't let it get you down because you're going to outlive it all. You're going to go on and march on and life basically is the same as it was like a thousand years ago, essentially. I mean, you just got to take care of yourself and take care of your family and don't get afraid. Don't get too indoctrinated. Think for yourself. If you want to like buy a jet ski, just buy it get it on craigslist get it for pennies on the dollar go have fun i mean who cares it's just a jet ski so have you ever thought about putting some of them literary skills to work and you know put put them uh maybe put together something of both on spirituality and cannabis uh something along that lines or maybe you know what Truthfully, um, I'm one of those guys who went insane from being an artist. And when I say that, it's a fucking truth. But that, that having accepted the fact that everybody's volatile and all of the perceptions are volatile, I certainly would embrace the idea of a project of that nature because it's like this. We all bring a lot to the table and it's like this. Um, a lot would come through me because it would, wouldn't be my original ideas at all. And then I would think them through or, you know, somehow post give life to them through symbolic form and text and all that. Um, I could see that, um, but I have to visualize it kind of like a uh, architect would or something like that. You've actually got to look at all the different things that are behind uh, even uh, an endeavor of literary quality because you want to um there's like famous book called hashish maybe you've seen it It like was written like maybe in the 1800s and it's like of a quality of writing that it's considered literature you can go buy it at you know the barnes and noble or whatever it is and there are um also uh there was the beat generation which was just the predecessor to the hippies that you guys the people who know know but there was like some poets and uh, writers, Jack Kerouac was one of them. Allen Ginsberg was another. William S. Burroughs was another. And uh, they all were weed guys. 
um, William S. Burroughs had grown weed down in Mexico, like in the late forties. Um, he also shot his wife in the head playing William Tell. So he was like one of the strange guys, but he was also, um, an heir to the, uh, Burroughs typewriter, uh, estate, which was, uh, not a small fortune, but he was basically a junkie. He wrote a book called junkie. He wrote a book called naked lunch. He spent time in Tangiers. He did hash. He did heroin. He was a terrible guy. But uh, point being, there is a literary tradition. And, you know, if I ever tried to do something, even if it was just like for my homies, I want it to be like mind boggling. You know, and not a sensational way. It sounds like you've got a, a well-crafted idea of it all already. <laughs> yeah, that's what it, it, it could be, but you know, the point is, is we've been all given gifts. I'm not saying this like a preacher. I'm just saying this is the truth. Not just one, not just two gifts, like multi multiples of gifts, and for us to to take advantage of them the most. And what I mean is not advantage, but for us to benefit from them the most. I think we do kind of gotta gotta let that energy roll through us and not like pool up inside of us because you know you know how an obstructed goal gets kind of like it gets sensitive you know you might get anxiety or anger maybe at somebody because they're reaching that perceived goal quicker than you are reaching your perceived goal and all that i'm just saying there's a lot of distractions but um me personally, I, I kind of crashed and burned a few times in life. It's true. Um, I'm not going to say that I haven't. And I could just say simply without being too patronizing that if I can get through something, there is a chance that you could. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, maybe, you know, uh, that to me is an important aspect of this whole trip is healing. Um, uh, I always said I'm a healer, not a dealer. And uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, you can be a healer with your hands, you know, the massage therapists, you know, people who have the beautiful ability to, you know, touch people and to uh, take away their anxieties. But, you know, you don't always have, we all have different gifts. I'm just saying, you know, some people don't even, you know, you can you're a singer. Maybe you just go out and uh, sing a little bit at the um, open mic night or something like that, somewhere where they have something like that. I'm just saying, or if your girlfriend does it, you just go encourage her to do it because it's like this. If you keep that stuff inside, A, it can harm you and B, um, the impetus doesn't go away. So, you know, if you want to play the guitar, Ah, just pick up that guitar and belt out those four chords that you know and pray to God you'll get better, you know? I'll do the same. I tell you what, I've been a lame on the guitar for a long time because I didn't like the way I sounded. <laughs> I didn't like the music I made when I played the guitar, you know? I wanted to sound like, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? And I didn't sound like that. But I tell you what, it doesn't keep you from playing, you know, fucking Michael Rose, your boat ashore. Everybody can do it. My kids can do it. 
Yeah, the key is just getting out there, you know, and starting the dream. You know, that's the thing I think a lot of people you talk about, you know, uh, being able to do things. Uh, I think people are limited. They, they find a, a new and they think, you know, this is it. But if you don't, by trying not trying new things, stepping outside the box, you never know. I mean, how many how many little things have you stumbled upon and you're like, ah, I could never do that. You try it once and you're like, holy shit. I can't suck it nature nature. Never realize. And again, if you don't keep that, you know, I'm gonna optimistic, you know, about everything, you'll never know. You'll never know your full range. No, no. Dude, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I mean, everybody's gonna hit a patch of mourning whether it's for the self that they thought that they were, that they never became, or the loss of, you know, your mother when she's in her 40s and you're in your 30s, you know, when you spent limited time with her, or the loss of, you know, the heartache that you get when you get dropped by somebody, you know, when you can really feel that type of thing. What I'm talking about is boyfriend, girlfriend, um, whatever, you know, uh, wife, whatever, chick, chick, guy, guy, I don't care. Um, but you have to get through it. You can't let it like, here's the deal. You can't what, what they say something like this, you know, you can't reach out your hand with a clenched fist. You can't reach towards the future. Um, you can't completely heal. And you don't want to be somebody who's like super, super smart. And all you can do is be a smart ass. That can't be gratifying. When I found myself being like that, once I think it happened in the high school, one of my coaches, who was also my teacher, he took me aside and he says, Robert, you know, he took me to like the boiler room of all places. And we sat on chairs, mano a mano. He says, you know, I hear you. You're complaining a lot, you know. This and that, you know, I guess I was being a passive aggressive fuck, you know, complaining a lot and like maybe contradicting everybody when they talked, you know, like maybe him and then my classmates. But he just had known a shit. He noticed a shift in my character, my temperament at the moment. And he took the time to actually say something to me, which I wasn't sure exactly what it was because, you know, I didn't even have a strong male presence in my life, but I had coaches and people like him so I took it serious and you know I'm saying I did actually have a pretty enjoyable time I don't remember if it was a get better story but I tell you what if he said it it was real and if it was real and I addressed it it was for my betterment but you can't always count on the fact that somebody else is going to be there who cares especially when you get to be 25 26, 32, 42, 62, 88. You know, you can never be certain somebody's going to give a fuck. So I am trying to encourage my children to be appreciative and recognize when people are giving them attention that is uh, nurturing and edifying and stuff like that. Don't take it for granted. And I kind of try to encourage people to, um, not get so stuck in their ways too early in life.
That's very wise advice. Very wise advice. Uh, again, it goes right back to that uh, never always wanting to be a kid mentality. I think, you know, it's very important. <clears throat> so important, in fact. And then that's, again, maybe why we are chasing cannabis. Hopefully that is. But we lose that that vision when we're kids. And I think that's when a lot of people, the dream dies for a lot of people. They're not able to, you know, goals, back to the goals, not actually able to see that end game that keeps pulling us along. Man, that's, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, I've made a mistake and whatnot. Hopefully, somebody can learn from mistakes that I've made or whatever. But, uh, man, the way of goals, I've always had goals. Don't get me wrong. I've always been able to see the end product and be able to get there. But I've never really, until the last bit, seen the actual weight of having a goal, like you said. Uh, I thought that was really cool what you said about keeping you're welcome in my house as long as you've got a goal or goals because I you know that childhood mentality once that lot that that vision it's the vision that once that lot that's lost when you're not able to create the end game the goal whatever you're fucking drifting you're lucky to get through anywhere you anything you should be, you have no role to bitch about anything right? you get or whatnot. It's without any goals, flat out. I mean, you have to have see the end game. And once you've seen that end game, as crazy as it may be, good or bad, and hopefully it's good, because once you see yes. it, it's going to draw you on one way or another. So make it as positive and, you know, whatever it is great as you can make it because it will draw you a lot but you have to see it and i think a lot of people lose that early on that childhood mentality and maybe that is what some of us are chasing but the, some of us that is still a kid at heart and still can do it you know keep them your goals fast i mean don't be afraid to make them it's never too late to make a new goal and you know keep that you know and that's and that's it's it's not too late and it should be done. You know, we're not ever done learning. You know what I mean? We should be setting new goals that knew something that we're passionate about that's dragging our ass out of bed that you're happy to do. You know, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, come on, you're, you're, you're on to something. I'd like to know one thing. Did you have a bicycle when you were a child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lot Lots of, of good lot times of on bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> a bicycle was my freedom, man. I, I like somehow uh, got, I synergized with it, you know, like the Schwinn Stingray bike frame. It was modified to be a bmx style bike because i got it second hand or third hand front the whole story there that is, would blow your mind but i 
you know, I could tell you a few stories, but they're always sentimental characters who are generous. And uh, old man named Testamina Tom, there was a fairy, fairy in the Alaska ferry system called the Testamina, and he worked as a maybe an engineer on that boat, but he always drank Heineken. And one day he somehow he was just going to give me $20 bill. He says, you go spend this on whatever. And he's a generous guy. This is the type of guy who I was raised around. They just like see a kid, they give him 20 bucks. Okay, well, he did that. I says, well, can I keep it? Because uh, I'd like to save to get a, um, the kids up the way. Richie, he has a uh, bike for sale for $75. Tom reaches into his wallet, pulls out the difference, $55. We go somehow over buy this old beat up freaking chopped up little stingray bicycle with uh mongoose moto mags that had been knocked out so it was just star shaped you know but they'd been filed down by some crafty little guy i think they were probably originally magnesium and uh it had girls like upright stingray type of handlebars or that type and maybe some type of small saddle not the banana seat but uh Long story short, I rode that bicycle to, there was a stock car racetrack near where I lived, about five miles, four miles from it. And I would bike there on the weekends and I started seeing stock car races and hanging with kids who were from out of town and seeing these cool mini stock sprint cars, uh, super stocks, bomber class. It was all, um, in the seventies, people kind of just Oh, I'm going to go build a race car track in this place because it might be the cap next capital of Alaska. Well, it never became a cap the next capital of Alaska. But what happened was that racetrack was there for 25 years going, you know. So anyway, that's that. But I got the bike. It got me out even in the middle of nowhere. And then, you know, somehow I got involved in endurance type of sports and bikes were part of that you know triathlon ideas of that type of thing you know you see these bikes and you know they exist so you just go get one and again i'd like to point out the fact i'm pretty sure that i've actually read story somewhat correctly cannabis did not hinder that at all right i'll tell you something um i'm gonna tell you something Mountain bikers, particularly, love to fucking smoke like surfers. I mean, mountain bikers have been busted for some of the biggest uh, hauls of weed in their bike things, you know, like world champions have been taken been taken for a million dollar, uh, you know, down for smuggling. So I'm just saying mountain bikers, maybe they're like snowboarders or downhill skiers or anybody surfers, people who like the chief. Um all I'm saying is that I'm getting excited, I guess. Um, yeah, it's real good for you. And I think it's actually really good for your uh, mellowing you out for not being like uh, a freak about it, you know, egocentric person and just to go out and actually relax and chill. And, you know, as an adult, like I, I did a 40 mile ultra marathon one year. I didn't finish it. I only got like 28 miles into it. Well, the next year I came back and I finished it and I got fourth place overall. So I'm just saying and that was in my 40s. So I'm saying if you and that's definitely smoking along the way. But uh, 
I'm not saying I'm a super person because of it, but it's fun to go for long runs, at really long runs in the hills or in the woods, and to be able to to smoke high grade weed that you grew yourself that's organic. You know, it's kind of like makes you feel bionic. <laughs> I the only way I could see cannabis hindering what you just said is like the runs through the woods and shit. Yeah, I, I, the only way, and again, kind of stoner is thought here, but you know, not not in a physical aspect hindering you. You're like, mm. hey, that's fucking beautiful. I can stop, you know, <laughs> stop yeah, it man. to enjoy Definitely. the moment, not necessarily that's right. ruin the physical ability of it all. <laughs> mountain climbers, mountain climbers uh, use uh, weed quite often. It kind of, uh, as long as you can keep your uh, focus, you know, keep your harness on correctly and stuff like that, somehow they find it to be, I think it probably is like so relaxing, almost like a sleep state because it's like this, those guys don't sleep that well. You know, they end up in little ice caves and stuff like that, windy. But uh, I've known quite a few of those guys who do that kind of thing. That would be pretty, pretty crazy right there. I like a good adrenaline rush, but man, man, nothing like I've never been. Nothing like that would be pretty awesome. It's crazy. It's it's. I'll tell you the truth. Um, mountaineering, you know, like we have Denali here and uh, the Alaska Range, and it's like world class climbing, kind of like you know the Himalayas. You know, it's like freaking for real, and people die every year in avalanches and uh i lived in uh as a kid i lived uh about 20 miles from a little village called talkeetna and talkeetna is kind of a hippy dippy uh well it's a mountaineering town in the summer they have planes that, that fly the the climbers up to the glacier of denali or mount mckinley whatever you want to call it and so i was exposed to that culture quite a bit and you know some of the tragedies that happen you're not really um you're aware of the numbers you know like example like you know uh a bunch of uh korean men they they got caught in a shoot and like you know all of them went down and they died you know and i think they call that like the china express or something like that it's not you know they have strange sense of humor about it but it's like this a lot of some seasons are more tragic than others and not all of them are you know all about that but all i'm saying is that uh I had a friend who was a mentor there who he was, a. he dispatched planes onto the glacier. That was his job. He was a kind of a retired priest, but he wasn't retired. He was just, he did that in the summers and he had an agreement with one of the air companies to do that. And he stayed in this little shack up there. It's called mountain house. They gentrified it. You can rent it out now, but, uh, that fellow, I met him, he'd broken his leg uh, getting out of his bunk, which is kind of not humorous, but he just swore me off from mountaineering in any way, shape or form because every one of his friends who'd done it were dead and that he was a priest too. So he actually buried him. And, you know, honestly, I don't know how much of an inclination I would have had to actually go through with any, um, but the most basic uh, mountaineering experiences. And, you know, I've repelled and things like that, but um, 
that was good advice to get from him because it could have very well been something that I might have been interested in and an opportunity that they had come my way to get involved in it. And it's like this. I'm not kind of like in life. I don't, I measure my um, risk. Uh, it's called calculated risk. But, you know, like example, like I like to drive fast sometimes. I don't like to endanger people. So sometimes I've got to say, hey, cool out. <laughs> you know, just, and I get anxiety driving in traffic. So I want to drive around them and I want to do all these fancy things to navigate through traffic just because I hate them. But it's like this just chill for five minutes and nobody will get killed. That's probably a good place to start with some of these things, you know? Um, uh, then again, you can go, you know, to a car track like Smiley does, rent a purpose-built vehicle for that type of thing. Maybe get a little bit of instruction in that vehicle so you know what you're doing. And then you could just go, holy fuck, going around that corner at 45 just took my neck off, you know, or whatever, you know. I'm just saying that it's uh, in life where we encounter calculated risks and uh, I think that probably um, certain activities are, I went on a tangent. You probably should be careful when you smoke dope and you mountaineer. Okay, guys, even though you're all into it, don't fucking get that buckle unbuckled. You know the one I'm talking about, okay? And don't go chasing after some pipey drop. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I just like birthday. Um, I I I'm one of those stoners, you know. In the movie, they're uh, half-baked. That cannabis makes everything better. I'm kind of guilty of cannabis makes everything better. <laughs> it does, right? I mean, here's the deal. I was I. I know that you've mentioned clubhouse. Okay, guys, some people have this wacky clubhouse thing where you can go talk. You have an avatar for yourself. You got the room. Well, I ended up in this one that was like the can of coven. And the first thing I do, I just want, I know what a coven is and I know what a can of coven is. First thing I do is I walk into there, so to speak. And of course, I'm only one guy and nine women and they're all witches. And they're wondering what I'm about because I'm certainly not a fucking warlock. And, uh, they, they were talking about all that funny stuff and, you know, cannabis and sex. And once they accepted me and they've actually recruited me, I'm actually a can of coven member, member. That's probably the best thing. One of the few things on that can. Anyway, I'm a can of coven member and, uh, Oh, cannabis helps with sex. Okay. From a male perspective and you can just, it's always, make you feel a little more sensitive to the sensual aspect of things okay and you got to think that from the female perspective if that's going on it's making them think about something you know a whole chain of events that makes everything just so much nice so i'm all for it and uh my wife doesn't actually smoke but you know i do ingest cannabis in the bedouin bedouin whatever you want to call it bedouin and i'm sure it's swirling about as we're in our coital bliss and i tell you what I'm all for it. <laughs>
it's true. And, uh, you know, frankly, I should get into those essential oils, you know, maybe some hemp based, you know, botanicals, you know, that have some of that strawberry, turn on the, you know, <laughs> good smooth reggae music and, uh, you know, light a candle for Ja and, uh, you know, get down. Because if you don't do that, life will not be profound. And uh, whatever, man, you go. I'm just kind of taking up time uh, now, guys. Um, another thing is, is that, gosh, you know, if it's so medicinal and everybody's so receptive to these different uh, cannabis concoctions and CBD and CBG and all this stuff and all the different ways to take it and everything and to, to apply it, I think that it's so we should take advantage of that time maybe. And, you know, if we do know somebody who needs a certain thing that, you know, maybe hand balm or something like that, CBD or something like that, and it really helps, you think it's reputable, maybe it's a good time to introduce that to them because it's like this, they may be more receptive after all this weird shit of COVID and all that. I wasn't going to say COVID, but I mean, you could help somebody who may be isolated and present another alternative to whatever medicine that they're, um, you know what I'm saying? I do, I do. It is for retail too. Uh, and again, that was one of the things that I was talking about with the doctor there today was, um, you know, using cannabis to get people off of uh, stronger drugs. Because I was kind of talking about losing friends to the pharmaceutical end of things, and it was part of the cannabis fight, you know. And what they said kind of did make sense. And, uh, you know, and again, I'm always open. And, and they were like, well, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you do find uh, cannabis that can help, you know, people get off of them harder drugs, but it isn't, you know, they can't just be cannabis. I'm like, I, I'll be the first to admit that the cannabis isn't cure all, you know. But it can be the first step, right, right? You know, basically, you know, that first step, yeah, you gotta find, you have to cure what ultimately draws you or drew you to whatever you're doing. You have to address that problem. But hopefully, you know, cannabis can, you know, get you off, get you clear, and help you address that problem. And if you want to keep cannabis in your life for other reasons after that point, well. There's still lots of uses, that's for sure. I didn't, I didn't want to keep selling the tour, but you know, it's true though. I, yeah, you know, um, for three years. Go ahead. I guess that's what I'm I'll just say it quickly. For three years, I was a certified nurse's aide, and I had one client, and he was a quadriplegic man. And that's, you know, all four, you know, but he was highly functioning. So I helped him with his, you know, personal care and his uh, physical exercise, range of motion type of thing. But I also drove him to classes at the, at the community college there. And he was also on the governor's council for disabilities. And that's like a political organization that's like uh, works with the governor. So I'm just saying he was high functioning fellow. 
And I was lucky to be along for the ride, but we were a good fit because we just were just a real good fit. And I worked three days, another lady worked two, so it was hardly any any time at all. But he subsequently passed away. But it's like this: um, he would have been the type of person who may have benefited from that type of, you know, like maybe some of the stuff or spasticity, and uh, you know, maybe liniments for like you know, like prevention of bed sores or things like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot with other, you know, uh, uh, applications, I'm just saying. So uh, I saw that way back then, you know, and that was actually one of the better jobs of my life. But you think that people in that situation, his situation was such that he had a wife who was capable of obtaining anything for him that he needed. And because he worked with Voke Rehab, uh, as a counselor there, as a uh, intern, he had access to equipment that other people would not have. But people who can't get equipment can sometimes get those medicines. I'm just saying you may not be able to afford, you know, range of motion equipment or something like that, but you can maybe afford, somebody could afford, you know, a small seven ounce bottle of whatever. And I guess I have to learn more about that and A, call on my own experiences, but B, be willing to um, research other people's conditions. And, you know, sometimes that's uncomfortable for people who are healthy and maybe they're sensitive and maybe a little squeamish. But when you see that these things help people and the type of suffering they're going through, it makes your own quest for medicine or better weed or, you know, a better ratio of CB d to thc or whatever the heck it is that you know is is your thing it makes it that much more meaningful and sometimes maybe seeking out maybe rather than getting that genetic that may be of a weaker type of reputation maybe seek out that one that has a medical reputation or one that has a uh, a more professional reputation because it's pretty serious business. You may have to share that with somebody who's in need and maybe they need quality medicine. They, they don't just need medicine. I'm just saying, and there may be nobody to provide it or somebody taking advantage of them somehow. Maybe somebody steals their meds, you know? I mean, come on, man, that would suck. Um, but things happen. So uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of like, as we talk through this and Eagle educates me a little bit about his experience and I think about my own, at the heart of all this that we're talking about is kind of like how, what can we do to do better for communities and one of them I think personally is just even if personally I felt like if I had like four or five people who were you know on my little cell phone contacts type of thing that I could drop a present by every now and then that would definitely um and I just need to achieve that because they're there and all I got to do is ask you know but it's, it's just whatever it takes to make you feel better uh, for what you can do. I think it, these days, that's a lot. Huge aging population, you know, get some old person high. <laughs> they all smoked weed before. Look at how old they are. Oh, that's one thing that I've actually loved, loved about the, the cannabis bush <laughs> here in Michigan is to see some of the older folks uh, smoke cannabis or talk about, you know, you know, that's, that's how we we're going to get the real history to be honest with you. We've been fed this fucking uh, 
classroom textbook bullshit about cannabis all these years. How it was bad, blah, blah, blah. But it isn't until we get to actually, uh, you know, some of these older folks are now rediscovering cannabis or whatever. We're going to be able to sit, sesh with them and learn some of the, you know, cannabis history that precedes, right. you know, the 60s, you know, and shit like that, that, you know, we know we've heard about, but, you know. That's right. I'd like to hear the older stories. I just like the black and white photos that I... Oh, yeah, you know, the jazz people. Yeah. Just saying the jazz yeah. people, all of those... uh Rockers, you know, I mean, Rastas, you know, uh, punk rockers, everybody loves weed, man. But yeah, you got a point. It would be nice to be able to get more older people in here and maybe we can encourage the um, uh, chat if they know somebody who's a little older, you know, who'd like to come on and only share for like, you know, a short period of time within context of, you know, maybe having their friend be there with them. It would be cool to get what I mean is like people who are like, you know, aged and who have a story to tell. That would be amazing. It's like, uh, not that well, uh, Indra, who is enchanted. <laughs> Indra, I love, I, oh, I love hearing Indra stories. Really oh, yeah, uh, oh, Indra, it. Mila, talk about those yeah, they, man. they make me you, when I hear their stories, I feel so small in my journey. I really do. I'm like, oh man, it just fuels you know that fire that you get out there. Yeah, as he always says, there's still time. There's still time. He's absolutely right. No. Well, Indra is a Indra is a good example of a spiritual man. You know, he was in in war. He was wounded and on the battlefield, so to speak. You know, uh, he dedicated himself to uh, medicine of healing a pediatric unit in India somewhere, you know, I, I, you all know the story, but I'm just summarizing it. And uh, then, you know, on through his own personal uh, explorations, probably with, you know, whatever type of uh, uh, cannabis was going on there, he was involved in it. And then uh, he has some uh, innovative ways of planting. He'll like strip down the plant, put a bunch of uh, uh, rooting hormone on it, bury it sideways, and then have it come, those shoots shoot up, a bunch of little shoots, you know, he talks of that, his BHO process. Uh, he is the grandfather of BHO, as far as anybody knows it. And uh, he makes good temple balls. And uh, I, I, I remember and know all of this from his days on Hash Church. And of course, you know, that was kind of like the seminal days of that show. But uh, it was dynamic because there was a lot of kind of new ideas coming up at that time and then to hear the older perspective was nice the older statesman so to speak so um he, he's somebody who is undervalued i think and underappreciated i really do i hate to say that awesome guy awesome guy that's Again, right i gotta echo blue boys assessments there if you know somebody that uh has some amazing stories like that, and I would definitely love to hear myself. 
you know what? That's a good point, you know, because I, I actually, <laughs> one of my homies, man, he told me the so fucking funniest story the other day. I'll just summarize it quickly. He got his first ounce and it was the perfect ounce. And it was from these guys in a little lowrider. And um, they came up and it was $10 and it was super fat. And it was the best herb he ever smoked his whole life, he claims. And uh, that it was maybe it was some, you know, quote, brickweed. But uh, my friend, I, if you know him, he don't mind seeds. He just don't want to deal with the stems. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man, I try very hard to forget the brickweed days. Yeah. Uh. I guess some I people should. like. I mean, that was grateful for. I was grateful for it back then, but compared in comparison to what we have now, I'd rather forget. <laughs> I think if I was going to have brick weed or seeded weed, I would just maybe want it from another continent. So I wouldn't mind having like some, you know, fancy African brick weed that made you hallucinate and your eyes fall out and roll down the street <laughs> you know i mean well if you think about it today i mean would today's brickweed be that bad i mean it would halfway be half rosin you know what i mean it would be it wouldn't take much to press someone today's sticky bar into brick right bar. right uh, might be well, good I, I'm a little bit more. Uh, yeah, thing. I'm a little bit more romantic. I'm kind of like, if you see it once, you will see it twice. If you see it twice, you will see it three times, and dot 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 down the line, so that there's an idea that there. And I think that you may have said this, or other people, everybody has this consensus, is that in some field, and you know, on the Tibetan plateau, there's some you know shiny little you know, call it granddaddy perp or call it chem dog or call it cookie monster or call it this or that uh hash plant 13 you know I call it uh northern lights number five you know by haze all that stuff but it's like this i do think that the chemovar you know the actual chemical composition and the thing that kind of contributes to all the other factors I think it probably exists multiple times in multiple places. And we're not even talk, talking about quantum reality because we know we got all the plot we ever want if we look quantum physics. Well, hopefully that is true. Hopefully that is true that we have all the plot that we ever want. I, I'm just saying, you know, I was so grateful to have almost all the weed I ever had for some reason, because it's not that I'm like, not without resources, but man, I just like it to come to me. I don't like to get the, the score. The score never worked for me. I mean, I gave people plenty of money for pretty good weed sometimes, but man, the score never worked for me. When it stopped working for me, like I said, I just had to work for myself. Then it was like, whoa. And the first, you know, few times when you, like I grew super silver haze, I grew blueberry. I grew one of Chimera's C4 cross that somebody made in their trailer down the way. I'm just saying, but I really, the dynamic of learning was accelerated. So I really feel uh, lucky to whatever 
path of genetics were available available to me. And then subsequently, probably, I made 13 or 14 orders with the same seed bank because I never had a problem with them. <laughs> I never had one problem. Once I got to buying from seed banks, I was like, oh, yeah, once or twice a year. Yes, sir. That's for me. And I'm, ju I'm just saying it's like, I mean, everybody feels the same. We're indebted to the availability of whatever genetic we have. And, you know, however we got it, you know, it's kind of a sacred chain of events as far as I'm concerned, because some of these plants do change lives. So if you get the head banger from Karma Genetics, get two packs. Cause that guy ain't no joke. <laughs> well, with that being said, and with you know, because it isn't the same same path to get seeds. You know what I mean? It isn't that you know. Oh, they they here. They made it through shipping. You know what I mean? Uh, that whole. That whole thing, man. I don't know how many orders added to or across overseas seed banks. You know, wondering if they were coming through customs or not. My mail That's still right. gets fucking red checks. I, I'm not a, one of my anything I ever got in the mail ever got checks in it until I ordered seeds. And now to this day, oh, man. anything that comes through Same. Chicago gets a red check i'm like oh come on oh, man. <laughs> well you know you're not the only one when you can't when you're at a point where you can't get genetics for whatever reason maybe they changed their way of dealing with credit cards or something stupid like that um you're kind of at the mercy of your homies and then it's like this back not too long ago it was every homie for himself so you didn't have homies throwing you genetics that were th that were worth anything they were like a pack of some shit that they didn't like um for whatever reason and that's just it's just what it is but i'll tell you something and i hope that tau is still here um i have a friend he's in that case he is kind of a slow-witted man because he doesn't want to get a mailbox so he's at the mercy of maybe a friend every now and then will let him do an order through them but that he doesn't have any friends like that right now but i did give him four godiva seeds i gave him four uh blueberry cheesecake seeds i think and then i gave him four well anyway you get the idea i gave him some seeds that were given to me that i had enough i didn't give him everything i ended up giving them 12 seeds but you know what i know one thing this guy will make the best of those 12 seeds in any possible way. And if there's any way that they're going to grow great stuff, he's going to grow some great stuff. So that's just, that's, and, and he's freed of that spell, whatever he was under. And uh, now he can make a set. He wants to get certain seeds for uh, a project because he wants to do a breeding project. And he's like pretty much the last guy you would want to do a breeding project, but he's my guy. No, he's a cool guy. I support him. I'm glad to see what he's doing and he's a homie. But honestly, with my friends, I kind of keep them at arm's distance. Um, they can, you know, come over for dinner, but I don't, my space is my space. And, you know, 
my thing is my thing every once in a while i'll show them some plants but it's not very often because i don't a want people going in my grow room <laughs> for culture reasons you know i'm just saying you don't want to um, have his bugs become your bugs in any way shape or form and uh a lot of people get around so this is just basic stuff that people probably know already but you know don't get me wrong there's certain people if they're your trusted people certainly but it's not really my style it's kind of a place where i do my work really glad that you got the seeds though from our friend who bred them so i'm just saying definitely uh basic stuff there i remember when uh i, I popped some aviaries since the first time and then when uh i started you know working with the mission growth grow show there i passed them on because every time we met up met up we'd pass some seeds and i, I told uh, i dm'd about it i was like man i hope you don't mind for that uh i thought the shit was good enough that uh i passed on you know what i had i hope you don't mind but you know I just wanted to share. He was like, ah, I think I've already gave him some or something like that. <laughs> he was like, no problem. I'll make oh. sure you get some more. But definitely worth growing. If you get the amnesiacy, so I, I always suggest <laughs> and seeds. Yeah, and then there's the, um, what is it, the uh, Dark Horse Genetics one. Let me think of which one that is. The Well, whatever. Um, I'm just grateful. And uh, Tao has my respect, like I said, from the get-go here um, in this community. There ain't no up and down with that guy, you know? He's, he's, he's consistent, he's steady, day to day. The Tao you see yesterday is the Tao you see tomorrow, you know? But here's one thing I wanna tell you, if you know him in any way. He still needs a hug, so give him a hug. He's a real big huggable guy. He's a very hunky guy. <laughs> so what's currently in the garden now? I mean, since we can't come down there. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Um, I can tell you what's up. Um, I got a headbanger. I got some chocolate tie. Got Somali ghost train. I've got one of uh, Smiley's, which is, I call it High Mac. It's the high, what is it? Well, I call it High Mac, but it's a, it's a cross. Um, two by a friend, Elka, who certain people know uh, in this community. Uh, one called Black Lights by Hashplant88. And then uh, th those are actually two. And then, uh, one from Smiley that he gave me. He gave me some seeds from uh, 801 Genetics and it's called Malasada, which is a uh, Girl Stout cookie, uh, purple Thai crippy cross. And then, uh, well, Skullcap, Star Killer, 
strawberry starburst. That's from uh, Rasta Jeff. Those ones weren't germinating too good, but I hope I got two there because I really want to try that. And then Star Killer. And I think that's about it. There may be, actually, there are a few others. Um, but uh, the point being is it's summertime. I can actually throw out more population of diverse plants, just of genetics, more genetics out there. Because I kind of felt oppressed somehow. Uh, I want to. I want to actually find some things that are worth. I, I've I've found lots of keepers in life, but I want to keep something. I want to keep something, at least enough to get to know it as a father or a mother, and uh, and see what happens. Even if that's just an F one, you know. But to me, that's a really big deal, and I want it to be good. I don't want it to be bad. So I've got all these things here that, and a lot of them are in. Uh, they are all in regular seed form. So you end up with these males and every time you get a male, it's kind of a dilemma because <laughs> it's never the right time. And boy, you don't want that thing to go off. And that's not really the one you sure wish you had a female from that select those two plants, you know, that you put out, but you got two males and you just killed them both off. Now you think about buying a pack of them. I'm just saying it just, it's all part of the process. And you may say, what is the process? Well, I'm not quite sure, but it's what I've been doing for you know, 13, 13 years. I don't know. It feels like I've been doing it 15 years, but I've been doing it less, but I've been doing it more than 12. So I don't, I don't keep track. Um, I should have done it a lot more and I should have done it a lot earlier. That's all I can tell you guys. Um, you know, I came to organics kind of, you know, midway, you know, so at least I came that direction, but I didn't, I'm still learning lessons. I, I, it goes in waves because I sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes I'll just, I just drive blindly in the fog. And, uh, I mean, you can see my IG, I got, per, I can grow a bud, but I cannot grow fucking a huge room of them. Not at this point. My attention span is bad. Um, you know, my resources are always thin. So I kind of like under, uh, under plant most of the time. And then when I overplant, I just have too much stock and then things start going to fuck. I mean, I don't know why I'm even saying this. No, you don't have to say it, but uh, you know, I don't myself, I try to grow, uh, you know, a friend of mine hit me the other day and I was like, I heard I think I may have grown too much on uh, my eyes. Simple answer to that: it's never too much. It's never too much. The garden, I think, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this, is a reflection of not only my mind, but my heart. It's not an ego trip. You know, I've had beautiful things and nobody saw one of them. You know what I mean? And the price I got for it was the same as somebody who like gave him cocoa puffs, you know, like the cereal. Um, but are, does your passion kind of like the energy of the moon sometimes go in a little bit of a cycle, you know, where maybe the garden, maybe for those couple months where you were kind of in the trenches, you know, whatever it was, you felt like you had both of your hands tied, it suffered. Oh, definitely, definitely, without a doubt, 
without a doubt, I've been uh, quite adamant about saying that lately about uh, Burden in general now is better than it's been in a long time because uh, I had some shit go on, you know, a few years ago and it staggered the garden, you know, a lot. You know, not not to where it wasn't in its full glory, but it definitely had hindered things. And then Subgold, when he passed, threw another big wrench into it. You know, uh, it was hard, you know, even to this day, man. I got shit you guys don't see. There's little posters that he gave me that are signed. Shit like that, books he gave it me fucking at the garden oh. at that time was almost all shit he gave me. It was hard, you know, so it definitely, right. even today, you know, problems, like problems definitely impact your garden, your heart, but uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Just, doubt. just saying, we have to sometimes work around our, you know, encumberments. <laughs> or uh you know sometimes we are our own encumberments i'm just saying if you live the life we all live the life all right first of all respect all right all the people in chat we're just talking but it's like this respect how you live your life is how you want to live your life and i respect that and you just grow some more weed and enjoy it and get some good genetics it's all about the genetics that's all i that's all i can say is it has to be about the genetics it's not about the genetics. I'm not interested. So anyway, um, yeah, man. To we each have little crosses to, to kind of hold, but we don't need to hold a grudge. <laughs> so this is a competition. We're all going to get there at the same time. There's enough uh, little medals and ribbons to go around everybody's necks that make you feel like you all won the race. And you're going to have the best smoke that you've ever had in your whole life. And that's going to be this year. I hope that every smoke, every round, that I, I always hope every round that I grow is the better, the best smoke. <laughs> that's right. That's why I'm always well, popping new stuff, man. I'm always hoping, oh, this is the best, going to be the best smoke. This it's this one. It's always this one. I it's that oh I guilty of that mall complex yes. I'm switching <laughs> small. You know, um I'm not being anything, but uh th this is uh Eagle. This is Sensi Star by Kem D by OG OG Kem. And it's a very nice gentleman smoke. I think that you'd like it. I'm going to have a little bit. I don't have very much of it left. And actually, I have a pack of seeds. You know, I maybe took two out of it before. So maybe 10 to sort through. But I think I'll find something that's like, you know, this has a little bit of, it's understated. It's a little bit of lemon, a little bit of metallic lemon is how they describe it. I think that's probably what the Sensi Star Cup was. But um when I hear the old names, like I remember looking at High Times Mag when they had um, the Shahrazad, um, a bunch of different strains from Paradise Seeds at the same time. 
and uh, including Sensi Star. And I remember thinking that every one of them was so beautiful because, you know, this High Times magazine, the, the pictures were like, you know, like centerfold of a ladies' journal, you know, is really beautiful stuff. And I never came across any of that shit in my whole life to fucking smoke. I mean, I don't know how I would have had to go to Holland and maybe like, you know, go down to Paradise Seeds and say, hey, man, I need some of those seeds. But um, when I came across this cross from a company that I felt comfortable and awesome about, oh, man, I was real happy. So I'm just like, when I get something like that, it kind of feels a niche. And what I call this is gentleman's weed. You know, kind of like the Dutch guy must have a little pouch of his little gentleman's weed here. And hopefully he doesn't put it in with his gentleman's tobacco. And then, you know what I'm saying. It's sorry, it's good. I'm not, I grew some of that back in the day. Gotta love the chem dog, that's for sure. So, you, did did you grow the the Sensi, the Sense Sensi Star? I did, I did. What was that it like? Was, uh, oh, it was nice. Somewhere I might even have pictures on computer. But nice dead, nice dense buds. Yeah, it was a nice chill smoke. Uh, can't remember exactly the, the chirp profile on it, but. Uh, very pretty, very pretty, dense, super dense flower. And uh, some of the best pictures I've ever taken of my cannabis actually were oh. Sensi Star. Critical, critical Sensi Star. Wow. Like Had good structure, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mine did too. It was very beautiful. The big leaves and everything. I think that might be the Sensi Star thing. Um, I'm going to, you know, here's the deal. I'm not going to be able to go back in time, but some of the guys out there, they have some awesome genetics. So if I ever get any, you know, uh, what they call vintage, uh, uh, Sensi Star, I think that's probably worth like hoarding or doing something with, cause you wouldn't want to just sit on that. I've still got Sensi Star seeds. I know I've still got Sensi oh. Star. You want some? gosh you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk offline sometime i mean i, I have interest right. too like anybody else I, they're not very many really but it's like this what i do like is when i experience one particular thing to try something that's in that vein so like i've done all of the kosher crosses i've grown almost all of them you know i'm just saying and there's quite a few of them you know uh i don't know it's it's just when you're used to something, you want, oh, ghost train haze. I grew, uh, they have a dark ghost train and they've got a Somali ghost train. And, you know, I tried those, of course, you know. So uh, you learn something about the plant. You learn something about the mother or, you know, whoever it is that they have in common. It's kind of like, I think it's part of the research. You learn something different. How it combines with gray bait. You know, yeah, and someday I hope to dive deeper, deep into the breeding side of things. But right now, as far as 
Uh, that kind of thing goes. Got my plate pretty full with all the cannabis stuff that, <laughs> that I like to do. Uh, I save that to a poor like you know, when things start to go a lot the wall. You know what I mean? You have to keep something something back, keep the interest going. Yeah, you know, I'm going to bring up one moment in my history. It's going to go, this is going to be like a flash from the genetics talk to one symbol. When I got married 24 years ago, whatever it was, it's about 24 years ago, my wife was like kind of like a country girl, but she was like kind of you know, raised in a shielded existence. She didn't smoke. She read the Bible all the time, things like that, you know? And out of respect, I thought, you know, this respect and love that I was going to show to her, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to smoke weed. She didn't tell me to. She says you can or you can't. And I think it might have been like two years, two years. And we go to the movie theater with my friend John, kind of a three-person date, kind of. He's like my my dumbass friend who doesn't have a wife. He was at the time anyway. But uh, he has this little one-hitter, and it's like it has this primo in it. And I just kind of break down, and I just have a hit of that. And then I go to the theater. And I, like, reek like dope. I really do. It's funny. It's like, I mean, I know that I when you when you reek like dope, somehow you can't smell it. It's really weird. It's like everybody else can smell the fact that you got fucking an ounce of the dank under your armpit, but it's like this. You can't, you think you smell just normal and nobody can smell it. Well, long story short, I started smoking pot and she'd never minded and she never really cared all along. You know, I did do something like that in my life. Um, I don't regret it. You know, I had nice moments of clarity and intimacy and getting to know my wife, you know, probably I didn't need to be in a fog because everybody has baggage you gotta like fucking you know sometimes deal with it but uh otherwise when my mother passed away um early you know she was early to have me 15 when she had me uh maybe i i didn't ever do the math but maybe 43 when she died so that's that's early by my standard because I'm 50 now. Well, I knew for a fact that she had some weed in her cabinet. I went straight to this little cabinet there. I pulled out this little ivory hand carved pipe that was about the size of this pipe here, maybe a little smaller. And I took this really awesome indoor bed grown by some guy down the street in his garage that knew my mom but I didn't know who she was and she was living with my grandma it's one of those things where you know everybody sticks together well anyway so I grieved a little bit uh, by smoking my mom's stash of course dedicating it to you know her memory and things like that but how close are you to the weed? I mean, or how close are you to cannabis? Well, pretty damn close. You know, she's been there for me when I was in need. I was in need at that moment. 
just saying that uh there's no shame you know my my mom had, could have valid uh, medical reasons to smoke cannabis you know uh you know i will say one last thing i've had the pleasure of smoking with my da dad as well you know uh, that's nice you know i've, I've shown him my grow grow situation at the time you know he was he lived with me for about six months at one point and like I said, I got to know him as an adult. So anytime that you spend with your long lost dad, who's pretty damn cool, um, that's a big deal. Uh, I'm gonna, maybe his story is one thing I'll just complete this little scenario with is that he was from East Texas. He was a kind of a woodsman. His family like would send him out and have him shoot squirrels so they could eat them. I'd never eaten a squirrel. I mean, you know, I'm not even sure I'd eat a squirrel, but um, I sure as fuck would if I was with them. But um, he had these wood skills, so he joined the Air Force. He got, uh, his commission was in something like electronics. He was electronics and a communications specialist. Well, because he had these like, wood skills and there are all types of stories where soldiers all over the world and all over America had certain skills that they brought to the table because you know they may have come from a farm or come from New England or come from a hunting tradition or made, maybe they were Native American or something like that and they contribute a lot so point being he was they do this thing I don't I don't understand and you know if you've been in the military you could probably fill me in my daughter's in the military um, God bless her my son-in-law's in the military God bless him but uh, point being, he was pulled onto a task with the army, which was entitled and had him go into Laos with another gentleman to they call it two man teams. And they would call in a strike. You know, they would see something, you know, like an enemy thing. And then they'd get out of there and then they would. Uh, that was this kind of thing. He only did it for two or three years. I don't think it was so long. Um, he didn't re-enlist re I think it was two years um he came back and he let his hair grow long you know and I don't know how long is long but he went back to see his dad in East Texas guy known for his kind of heavy hand and fierce nature because he was a farm foreman he was kind of the guy who kept everybody in line I, that's my impression I get. I don't know if that's the way it was. He probably did more than that. But I do know from his reputation, he was a formidable man. And that's not bragging. I'd probably be scared shitless of him. Okay. Well, my dad came into the family dwelling and he had his little hippie hair. And my grandpa said, fuck no. Get the fuck out. You go and don't come back till you cut your hair. Well, my dad never came back never cut his hair grandpa didn't live that much longer <laughs> that's a funny story it's the truth though stand up for what you believe in i guess that's just the way people are in my family that's like a, you take a militant stance you demand respect, and if nobody comes to shake your hand, then you're just on your own. We respect each other's decisions. 
We don't hold you to our value system. We don't want you to be a wimp. I'm just saying I respect my dad's battle as 71, you know, knowing he's on the decline. I just know one thing. He's a smart fellow. He's a smart guy. He's really got a good wit. He's got um, a loving heart. You know, he, uh, he identifies with his Native American heritage. Um, I just found out I'm 26% Native American, which actually, you know, through the thing. I knew I had it on whatever, you know, through whatever, but I'd never really, you know, whatever. And it's not that I'm not sensitive and it's not that I've never been to a powwow or anything like that because I have and all that stuff. But it's like this. Somebody told me in one of the chats, and I'm not sure that it's true, but I think it is. 26% is significant because it means that you go back about 200 years at least. And that just gave me a little bit of perspective, you know, that like, you know, not only did my grandmother who suffered, you know, dot, dot, dot or whatever, but that these people, you know, I'm just going to say this. I'm shouting out Native America because it's like this very inspiring uh, culture group of cultures and languages and traditions and histories and you know and the the elders from those traditions and in alaska we have a lot of them as well uh they are so rich and it's like this they tell stories about the environment and about creation and about the way we should act and they have you know moral you know traditions and ethics and things like that and codes and i just think that this may be one of those times where we could learn a little bit from other cultures and uh, be more humble to learning from them because, you know, maybe they know about the plant medicines. Maybe they know about the, the you know, healing rituals. Maybe they know about those things that all of our, you know, ancestors, no matter what race or what tradition or whatever you want to call it, ethnicity or culture every single one of them has healers and plant medicine so to me that's kind of the no-brainer and to say cannabis is a part of that that's also a no-brainer but i think that the indigenous people have a lot to uh, offer and they do offer it and i think that um personally i humbly uh uh look forward to exploring that part of my family tree I wish I'd brought the little um, thing that told everything because I would tell you just all the little things, you know, uh, like I'm part African and I'm part like I think Senegalese. I think they're both like right next to each other, but I'm 2% African and 2% one, I mean 1% African, 1% Senegalese. So it's like this, that's kind of cool too. So I'm just saying I might have to go on a world journey someday, check it out. I'd, I'd really encourage you seriously, Anybody out there, if you haven't, or if you don't have access to genealogy and things like that, or to enhance your genealogy knowledge, um, do one of those 23andMe's. My friend gave me this thing, this box, several years ago. I mean, I had it sitting there right under the dope. I mean, you know, <laughs> under the weeds over there, you know. So I, I finally just said, you know, hey, honey, I think I'm going to do this thing. And I forget, I spit something, maybe I rubbed it. 
and it's been very intriguing. And what it was is it was a boost. It helps me uh, accept myself a little more when I know who I am, you know, and when you know that that's who you've been all along, it makes sense. A part of you just saying, like, I always had a certain sensitivity and affinity towards certain things. And I'd like to think it has something to do with, you know, my ancestors, you know. My grandma was pretty smart, but she was kind of crazy, too. I mean, crazy, like, you know, like, you know, like everybody's grandma who's crazy is crazy. Well, she was that crazy. She like, you know, saw UFOs and talked to trees and weaved in, you know, the guy who bends spoons. Things like that. Some of that stuff I don't think is all too crazy, to be honest with you. I'm talking to the trees and all that. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I got to give her a lot of credit, truly. I was raised by this, like, middle-aged old woman uh, who'd had a lot of uh, loss in her life, and she's kind of wanting a second chance, and she kind of got, got it with me. And my grandmother was nothing but tolerant and supportive. And here's the deal. She had no problem, you know, with anything, you know, maybe some, you know, when you get to be an adult, sometimes you actually have more problems than you had when you were younger. I don't know how that could possibly be, but it is the case. But I'm saying with her, as she got older, I just had to respect her decisions uh, with how she was going to live her life and really ultimately how she was going to die. And she got a shitty end of the stick. You know, I could go on about it, but it's like this. We're all free agents. Just, you know, you've got to support those uh, who are close to you more. But, you know, some households are such that it's not that we don't, like, care. But when somebody makes a decision, we got to respect that decision. It can be painful. And there can be consequences of that type of thing. So I'm just saying, for me personally, uh, you know, the women in my life, those two women, and then my wife, well, my daughters, they've been very substantial uh, part of who I am. So I'm just saying respect, you know, honor, uh, culture, uh, knowledge, uh, belief, all that stuff, you know, Rastafari, you know, be real. But you got to honor your freaking father and mother. I think that's what they said. Yeah, right. I'm not trying to preach or anything, but it's like this. I just try to kind of download some of what I went through. It's I never really went through anything bad, so that's good, right? And here's the deal. I'm not really that mad. I just kind of pissed off, you know? I mean, I get pissed off all the time. I don't know if you guys could possibly know that on the chat end of things, but I'm pissed off 98% of the time. But it's not at you. It's just at the way things are in the world. You know, and, and it hedges in on close to you sometimes, you know, it's not just when you get the electric bill. It's like, you know. I say pissed off or passionate. And it's two, two different looks there. I think it sounds more passionate than pissed off. 
Yeah, truthfully, honestly, you know, it's like this. I'll tell you the truth. I don't like hurting people. You don't know how many fights that I've walked away from or averted or like had to be bigger than life to stop the fucking pain that was being threatened towards me. But it wasn't through violence. And I, I was a cab driver. I didn't carry a gun. You know, I had, I had friends who, you know, had, you know, some people end up on the wrong side of the stick and it just happens. So I'm just saying the way, the highest way I could possibly think of and the most respectful thing is to contemplate concepts of nonviolence, like as presented by Gandhi, um, as presented by Martin Luther King, uh, in kind of the model of political protest and things like that, because these things are things that we may be confronted with. If you run with a certain type of crowd, you're going to be confronted with this regularly. So it it's an inspiring thing when you realize what certain people have gone through in the not too recent past. So I'm not being um, prophetic or doomsdayer, but I think that, that it, the highest knowledge that I've come across, I have a pretty broad uh, education on certain things. It's not very deep, but it's broad. Is that of the nonviolent idea? And that's not news to everybody, but if you haven't contemplated it in a while, it's worth revisiting because we can't be agents of violence either. And, you know, we got to draw the line somewhere sometime. It may be sooner than later. Who knows? Yeah, I, I agree. The, the brutal or violent mentality is and that's what's that's the vibration that's holding us back now from moving forward to the next uh, realm of knowledge. You know, that's what you know. Even if the the uh, the alien thing is somewhat true, and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I'm a believer that you know there's there's something out. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that stupid because I've said for years that you think that like we're the smartest thing out of out of all that. But that would be sad to think that. You know what I mean? Just like wow, that's it. <laughs> we're the top of the heap. It's kind of scary to think that, but. You know, so if there is some truth that, that they are, you know, close and making contact, it's kind of almost inspiring in the fact that that must mean we're on, we're one of two things. Either we're about ready to fuck some shit up and they've got to <laughs> intervene. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Or, right. Uh, or uh, we're close to that time of, you know, uh, a higher state of men, uh, thinking a higher vibe, and they're willing to start communicating because they see they can see we're moving towards the right path. So it's one or the other, you know. Hopefully, it's they can see we're on the right path and not they've got to intervene because we're fixing to fuck up. Because that's the yeah. scenario, scenario that I don't think any of us want to see. 
you know, I don't know if there was that kind of like figure in your life. And my grandmother kind of was like a little bit pathetic, but it was uncomfortable because, you know, the way she spoke of things was like startling and, you know, kind of like, you know, you didn't know whether to take her serious, serious if you were, but she had normal friends. She was like, a, she was a Mormon woman, <laughs> but you know, uh, I just say hats off to her because she told, she basically had this philosophy that was like thumbing its nose at the whole everything because she was like, she had a classical education, you know, she wasn't stupid. So, you know, and she valued that. And I have to say, honestly, my closest link to the universe is her, not my mom, because I was raised by her. And it's like this, her intelligence was kind of like our intelligence, even though it wasn't mine. I wasn't going to subscribe to her wacky ideas. But you know how close you live when you're with somebody. You, you just, your brains are similar. I'm not saying that they're identical and it could be scary, certain implications of that. But I mean, as a father, as a spouse, things like that, you can see that. How about you, Eagle? You feel that way? Yeah, I used to think that at one point, but lately I have I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I couldn't finish that thought if I wanted to. You know what? Forget about it. We're going to talk another time, right? You know. We can't be articulate all the time. I certainly can't give voice to certain experiences, like the ones that I'd like to really tell you guys, you know, the ones that could change your life, you know, because they changed mine. I guess they're the ones that you learn over time and you share over time and you, you know, say, Hey, did you know that smiling man? He once like flipped a car three fucking times and won the race. No, <laughs> just saying, you know, you don't know what people's stories are until you share time with them. That's, that's very true. That's very true. I'm surprised I've divulged as much of my I'm pretty amazed that you actually, you know, do you remember how it's been? And you can tell me if it's wrong, but every hundredth show is kind of its own little hurdle. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems like that is the case. And the fact it that you've like cleared... It, it seems like as you've cleared these hurdles or you get towards the hurdles, uh, it is a little bit of like one of those, uh, you know, Greek labyrinth type of things or a, a bit of a rite of passage where you get put in that labyrinth, you know, to find not only yourself, but other people in your relationship to them, even if, you know, fucking A, it's all too much, man. I don't want 2000 followers. I don't want this or that, you know. I'm just saying, but when you do end up with that, there's a little bit of responsibility in the sense that this group of people, it's kind of like the entity in itself. And you know that. I mean, you know more about it than me. It's just that would be a bit much for me because I would feel like I have to answer to this, 
you know, because I know like your garden. I'm so glad you had this weekend to yourself and got your stuff kind of in row and maybe weren't working on the um, projects, you know, the contracting projects. Um, I'm like so glad to see that you have the positive and freed up energy that you felt a lot of pressure. And I don't like to see you go and do that kind of pressure personally. So, because uh, I take, I have pressures of my own, my own life. I know what it's like. And it's like this. Sometimes it's difficult. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes it's more difficult than people would recognize. And that goes in their life too. I mean, plain and simple, everybody has. What I, what I usually do when I get immersed into something is I just go in so deep. And then eventually I get a little burned out. I have to say, because it's like this, you know, I still have this part of me that needs to kind of like turn the clock back a little bit, maybe, you know, listen to some music or watch something silly on YouTube that's not cannabis related. I'm just saying things like that or go ride my bicycle, you know, I'm just saying uh, drive my car sensible speed, you know, but go for a nice car drive. And, uh, but if you don't do the forest bathing, you were saying that, do you get to do that? Yeah. And that's something I'm, I'm looking to do more of this year. I was actually talking to Lexi about that. Uh, you know, her and her sister were out walking in the woods. And I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, you can just take the feet off, you know, the, the, the shoes off and combine the everything with a little bit of the forest bathing there. You kill two birds at one stone there. And uh, yeah, it's something I'm very open to, very open to doing. And it's crazy that I don't do more of it. You know, I'm surrounded by all these beautiful pine trees, you know, uh, just natural beauty. And I don't just wander off like I should. You know, I mean, it's kind of bikes that are and thing. You get used to certain patterns, uh, you know, comfortable shoes, you know, rubber soles, our shoes never hitting the ground, cars taking us everywhere. It's funny, I actually just in the, in the same kind of thing, you know. Uh, rap song I was listening to the other day with Mark and Afro, man. He was like, man, before, you know, before I, you know, got, you know, rich, I, I didn't drive, so I was always skinny. Now I'm fucking, you know, rich and shit, and I'm fucking chuck packing it on because now I'm always driving. You know, we, we're guilty of, you know, as we get old, trying to take the easy route or, you know, what's quicker, this and that. You know, mm-hmm. I need to stop driving through these woods and taking time to, you know, taking a minute to do a little on foot. Yeah, I'm with you on that thought. I am with you on that thought. I'll tell you the truth. I could ascribe a certain amount of healing for the time that I've been able to spend uh, on a certain forest trail system near a farmland uh, in a bird refuge. You know, when I go there, I always feel just calmed and quieted and restored and all those things that you can imagine. And it's not 
because I, you know, sometimes I'll ride my bike to get there, which is, you know, a nice haul to get there and then do that and then go home. But it's like this, this what started as exercise there, I would just do like light running because I wasn't in good enough shape to do heavy running and flat uh, area is a good place to kind of work on your technique. You know, if you're a runner, you can kind of work on your stride and things like that. Even if you're not in great shape, you can, you know, get into shape and then also run correctly. So I started going there for that just because I used to run cross country. It's the same type of thing anyway, point being, but then I started walking and we're talking year round. Sometimes I would run, sometimes I'd walk, sometimes I would walk. And then suddenly I'd find myself starting to run, you know, like my legs did it naturally. And that was like the pure joy thing to have happen because that's when it's a natural occurrence. You're not, you're just there. You're like, and then suddenly you're jogging along. It don't matter what you're wearing or anything. And you, you know, you get over whatever phobia or block that you had. Well, over time, I've learned to appreciate the walk and the, sometimes the jog or sometimes even the run or the ski or whatever in that particular area. But every single time, and there's a boardwalk there and there's some wetlands and, you know, swans come there, sandhill cranes come there, uh, geese come there, uh, frogs or in the pond, you know, all the moose are in the area. I'm just saying it's a habitat. And when you're part of that, it just makes you feel so good. I'm just rambling about it, but I do, I think it actually probably has contributed towards my psychological stability. And you guys can all say, whoa, what psychological stability is that? That guy's a fucking nut. Well, I say this, if you're a fucking nut too, you go for a walk in the woods and you'll feel nuttier. I might actually do well. The as far as the feeling nuttier part of it, I can possibly, possibly do some of that because I'm already kind of getting a little more too trustworthy. I mean, that ain't too trustworthy with other animals, but I could honestly see I was kind of hinting towards that shit the other night. Fucking. Be down that forest and fucking walk, that forest bathing adventure. Be like, ah, we could try to just sneak in and fucking talk with fucking raccoon or some shit. Mm. Just like chase me around the woods. This was a horrible <laughs> idea. This was a horrible idea. <laughs> Eagle, th that's awesome, man. You know, honestly, think about this. Okay, now I'm going to just, as it, let's just pretend one thing that I was like maybe like a little bit of an advisor and I would just say this take my counsel take a microdose of mushrooms before you do it before you before you go out there and force bathe Yoda enjoy the force <laughs> definitely will help definitely will help that's for sure but uh yeah you know, a fun fact about uh, I was listening to Dennis McKenna in there. Fucking, one of the largest mushrooms there is, I think he said it was in Vermont, if I remember correctly, was 3.3 uh, cubic miles long. You know, it, it was one fungus they had taken samples from. 
you know, in different areas. I mean, I could tell by DNA that it was all the same. And a tree, I believe, that could have been in Alaska, but I could be wrong. Uh, that uh, same thing. It was roughly the same size, all underground. Basically, all the uh, trees standing up were like tentacles. You ever seen a ban bon banyan tree down in Florida? Yeah. I've seen banyan trees in Hawaii. There's a bunch there uh, where uh, I guess a bunch of famous people planted them. Like there's one called Mark Twain because he did it. And then there's one called Errol Flynn because he planted one. But go ahead. They're great, amazing trees. They, yeah, I think you know they're kind of like a similar thing, but underground. So the banyan grows, grows down legs. It keeps going and keeps going. I think underground, it's like growing oh, okay. and popping up every so often is what's going on there. You know, the, you know that you know this, that the Buddha was enlightened under a banyan tree, meditating under a banyan tree. So that's, that's like, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, for a whole religious tradition or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, if you re recognize the story, you realize there's some potent energy there, I'm sure. At least uh, there was I there, anyway. The first time I seen one was down in Florida. I was looking at uh, Thomas Edison's uh, mansion or house down there. He, had, he brought in a lot of species, plant oh. species that was uh, uh, native to the area. So he's kind of accredited for a lot of I think he's actually credited for bringing the banyan tree to Florida but it, it's there's wow. like it seems like one tree that goes around this massive estate and just seems like one that just keeps going and going it's pretty majestic kind of sight to see it's they're pretty good did did you make it to the Florida Keys when you were down in Florida? I've never been there, but my uh, son-in-law and daughter want to take me there because, of course, you know, he's Puerto Rican, so they're kind of uh, used to that area of the world. They, they, they're they in the military. They're in Georgia, so it's like this. They live in that zone of being. No, I want to go to Key West. There, yeah, there was. Been his past lives down there he was always was huge about going down there he was always admin if you ever get the chance do it <laughs> yeah so, I, I, I have to look forward to something and that's one place I'd like to go personally uh, I once worked on a fishing boat with this dude named Steve Steve was six foot six and he was bearded and he used to be a heroin junkie and he used to have the he had was in such bad shape that the um transvestites were the only people who really took care of him and i'm not joking he's this big huge guy but he was in a wreck of shape so he ended up getting on this uh factory trawler uh and got a job on the bering sea on the as a a deckhand and when I got on the boat, which was a story in itself, but it wasn't that interesting, um, he'd been on there for something like nine or 10 months straight. And he'd been saving his money the whole time. 
And when when he say he's been saved his money the whole time he had done it, I know he had. And no matter what, however much cash he had, it was enough because it was like this. He planned on being on that boat for I think it was going to be maybe a year and a half or something like that. But when he got off that boat, he was going to buy a hot dog cart and vend off of uh, out in Key West. So I'm going to go out to Key West and see if Steve's out there or if he's relapsed. <laughs> no, he'd be quite old now, but that's that's a true story. Uh, we do make it out that way. Uh, be beautiful to see. Yeah, man, you know, might I as well. Like to be there, but man, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I'm a little squirmy in big water, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, talking and shit like that, man. I get out, I can't see that land, man. I know that water is deep, man. I get a little squirmish, man. Even in Hawaii, I was thinking about that as I talked to um, uh, it, I guess I was speaking with uh, that night, but uh, he, he was in Hawaii and lived on a small island and basically said you could see, you know, from shore to shore, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm back. Knowing oh. you were in the ocean and being able to see from, like, fucking Coast to coast, uh, uh. it would. Oh uh, gosh, I don't think I can sleep through this. Uh, didn't give me a stomachache all the time. I think it may be that something like what they call sea legs or something like that. You know, I remember like when I got on that boat, I didn't have a lot of experience on open water on the effing Bering Sea or in the Gulf of Alaska or wherever. You know. But I'll tell you something. It seems to me like I had seasickness for maybe about three days and maybe it went away. And I think that's what it was because I mean, but I'm sure that everybody's different, but that's the way it was for me. So uh, the one thing that was difficult and there were all kinds of stories about being on a boat like that, but uh, you had to work. I was like, you know, basically in the cannery of it which is no glamorous place to be. It's probably the strangest place to be. You're in the middle of the Bering Sea, cutting up fish, uh, you know, inside of a boat uh, with Koreans and Laotians who are having a civil war and you're just there to parlay their freaking 12 inch blades. So I got out of there pretty quick. I got into two fights in two months and um, I did get a paycheck, but uh, so there's situations. I don't even know. I'm just, I don't know why I was talking. Oh, boats. You get your legs. Don't get stabbed, but get your legs. <laughs> I'm all right right here on land. I'm good right here. In fact, I actually, not even like big, big water, because I'm the biggest water I've ever been in. And yeah, I haven't been that far in, and I was very nervous. I was Gulf of Mexico. Uh, nervous as shit. Nervous as shit in that water. And a small, smaller bowl for sure, which didn't help anything. But I'm not even that cool, like swimming in that kind of water. You know what I mean? There's nothing I ain't swimming in the ocean. I go fucking pool. <laughs> if I want to go swimming in that kind of pool, I want to swim with fucking jellyfish or nothing like that. But at one point here in Michigan, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, who was like a crew member. And, and sometimes in sailing, it's all about 
Oh, wait. <laughs> it could be good or bad. Same cat. Would I always hear him bitch about like just weekend trips, you know, like, you know, people going on the pole. What do you take? Oh, yeah. What do you take? You don't need that shit. You know, that's extra weight. Ooh. That's just stay here. So, in this case, he was uh, doing the Bacardi Cup here in Michigan. And uh, some of the crew members, for one reason or another, couldn't couldn't make it. So he actually, basically, he outright told me, he's like, you want to be in it? I'm like, one, I'm not good at the water. Two, I don't know shit about sailing. He's like, don't need to. All I need is the body, the weight. All you need to do is move where I fucking tell you to move and be, you know what I mean? That was it. Oh, wow. Just kind of like, I'm like, but that day, thank goodness, man, we got out well, good, bad. I don't, I'm still on the fence on that, but slowest Bacardi race ever. Fucking no wind. It was like, <laughs> and I, ended up, I ended up drinking, man. It fucking passed oh. out on the fucking bow of the boat. That's how slow the race it was. And I had to be down in Naples, Florida the fucking next day. And uh, so and part of the drinking was just, you know, kind of because I didn't, wasn't comfortable with big water. And, man, I passed out on that fucking front of that boat. And by the time, I, I was purple. I was fucking purple. Man. I, I'd never been that color. I I was so, by the time I made it down, you know, to Florida the next day, people were in you down there were like, Hey, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> you know what I mean? You've been to Saturday, man. What's the time, man? But yeah, yeah it was oh, yeah, I actually wasn't even right like that for a couple of days being cooked in the sun like that. Oh, that's good. That's amazing, Eagle. Um I'll just say once in Hawaii, I was riding a bicycle with like, you know, a tank top on, probably no sunscreen. Maybe I just gotten there all like pale, pasty white from Alaska and me being like, you know, Mr. Alaska guy. I mean, I don't want to put no lotion on my skin for sunscreen. And uh, I look over at my shoulders and I see blisters coming up on them. All these micro blisters all over like, you know, the back of, well, Whatever it is, the muscle on the other side of your bicep, you know, that, that shoulder one, that's where I still got freckles all over that thing from each of the little blisters. I think it's like if I get cancer, I'll probably get it in my arm. You know, I'm not worried about that. But I do tell you, I experienced some severe uh, sunburn, but a lot of people do in Hawaii and equatorial areas because uh, the intensity of the sun is more, you know, at those uh latitudes uh like example like corpus christi i was there visiting a friend and uh i'll be damned if i didn't have any sunglasses and then i tried to go to a dollar store to get some sunglasses and uh i tell you what i wish i had some nice sunglasses when i was down there because i could feel the damn sun cooking my corneas or retinas or all the above That shit happens, man. I fucking felt that shit today. 
I was out fucking sun today up here in Michigan. They came out from behind the cloud, and I could just fucking. <laughs> I'm almost, I should have, yeah, I probably even done it. Well, it almost stopped and fucking just went and got a hat because I felt like, man, it, I could have just cooked an egg on top of my head. It just felt like every the top layer was just sizzling. I'm like, man, oh, this is terrible. And like I said, I should, probably should have went and grabbed a hat. I did, man. But even I tough through it. Even I like after I took a shower before the show, man. And like, you know, I had tank top on and it's like watchy. Yeah, I mean, it is weird the the burn I got today from the uh, from that man. It wasn't long. It was like five, ten minutes out of the sun. And then I was like, I couldn't believe the intensity of the sun today for just that short time. It's, things are getting weird with this sun. I, you know, again, you know, I talk to people like, I remember when the, the hot part of the day would be like around noonish. You know what I mean? Now it's like five, six o'clock. You know, it's it's weird time. I coughed. I got off. Um, yeah, man, the fucking sun is like it's. There's something up with it. I think it's the atmosphere, whatever you want to call it, you know, like maybe there's, you know, the nasty things they're doing with uh, chemtrails. Who knows? I'm just saying it could be phenomenon. I'm not a scientist. I could just talk in the most general terms. And even if I studied it up, I would just be saying other people's words. So you know what I'm talking about, though. You're the one who brought it up. It's it's real. Just what you said. You feel it. In that same aspect, though, that's I was kind of trying to use that when I was telling, uh, talking to Lexi the other day about the grounding. You know, uh, the aurora that we see, you know, from time to time, <coughs> from the, the discharge from the, the magnetic sphere there, from uh, the intake of the cosmic energy there, we're no different from that. You know, the only difference is we're not, because of this you and all that, we're not able to discharge that uh, energy into the, back to the earth, into the aura there, because of the, you know, that. I said, I, I told her, every so often, just like, you know, the earth there, we, we need to discharge all that incoming bullshit, you know. I told her, I mean, I, I told her, I said, look at it. Just look at our house in general. <laughs> you know, you got how many cell phones beaming through the house at one time? Every fucking TV, every little gadget putting out a signal trying to catch that Wi Fi, yeah. Wi Fi itself. I mean, you're being bathed in energy all the time. You're just like that. You know, you're catching it every so often. You need to put your feet in the ground and just disperse all that shitty energy that you pick, you have picked up. And uh, I don't know, like, like I said, in a short time, I'm becoming a quicker and quicker believer in discharging that energy. Uh, I, I agree a thousand thousand percent with you i'm just gonna say the cell phones all that finally i succumbed like i was fucking fuck your goddamn cell phone i haven't had a microwave hub in my whole fucking life and i'm fucking 50 years old so get that fucker out of here you know 
um, whatever. But one thing I'll just say now that we have all this great uh, technology at our fingertips and some places where we don't need it, um, be respectful of maybe certain facts. Like, you know, your Wi-Fi thing shouldn't be next to your head. That you shouldn't keep talking on your phone after it's heated up. Um, that you should use headless or, you know, wireless or whatever it is when you're using this phone, because we just don't know. I mean, it could be just harmless, in which case I hope it is just harmless. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like you said, though, man, I've been thinking about that lately. I'm about ready to switch. I've always hated because, you know, uh, the headset, you know what I mean? Especially with the bald head because they they stick out. Okay, yeah. You can tell I'm wearing a headset, you know. Yeah, yeah. Funny. It sticks out. That's why I kind of (laughs) switched to these. But man, I as like I'm talking talking, Lexi about the drowning and shit and all that. I'm thinking, and yeah, I got a fucking earbud in my ear, probably about you know twelve, fourteen hours a fucking day. They can't be any good for anything. And then, um, you know what, I hear a weird correlation I've kind of noticed, too, is we've had problems with the internet here for a long, long time. You know, I've watched the show, you've heard me bitch about that a lot. Sure. You know, one, yeah, I think that actually it's not that, you know, we've, I've seen a couple notices on my end of weird internet bullshit. Um, again, I'm not so sure it is. But I noticed one thing. I made a weird metal note the other day. And we know that the one, because we have two providers here. One I use for this, and one we use for the house. And it is fucked up forever. That's the original one that was fucked up. And every night at the same time, it goes out. And... uh, Lame. They even had they even had the fucking time down every day nine oh two every day at nine oh two you could be watching a movie and it goes buffer 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 and I you know Lame. so this is the weird thing I I'm thinking I I can't say it's it I can't say it's it but I'm not ruling it out either. Uh, I'm sitting here and uh, I open. I, I preempted my tents because they come around. They come on on each. So I open the tents and I'm sitting right here and I hear the click of the box there and everything fires up and I have to look down. That's nine oh two. So oh, I'm okay. starting to wonder if there's maybe some type of uh, frequency coming off <laughs> the balances that may be fucking with Wi-Fi or something to that effect. Maybe they're on the same leg and there's, you know, because they, you know, it does that that hurts feeds back into the system, That's right. if not properly not- ground. So I'm wondering, maybe they're on the same leg or something like that. Maybe I don't know. 
it wouldn't surprise me, Eagle, you know, kind of like I've run many of the different ballasts that we've run over the years, you know, from magnetic through many different electronic ballasts. Uh, and definitely some of them have interference or like if you're going to do like a, a video, say you're going to go do your little short for uh, Instagram. If you're doing it in a room with a magnetic ballast, you're going to have little lines through it, you know, and they're going to be like strange colored lines even. So it's like, I mean, interference has happened. It, what is it called? RF interference? I don't know what that is means, but that, they used to talk about that. I think that most of the... Okay. Um, uh, I think that most of the modern stuff probably has troubleshooted that because like i just got some 315s for the first time with that ceramic metal halide and those things don't seem to put out any type of visual uh interference on any level and they're quiet and everybody knows what they do i just uh, got some and i'm happy to have them i'm gonna get some more that's how much see i'm, I'm moving like i guess probably five or seven years behind the times but it's okay i'll catch up Hey, I still got this 4K behind me running. And I'm still, you know, I've got some lights coming. I'm thinking about taking two down. And I'm like having the hardest time with them, even though I know they're fucking probably, you know, they're still kicking along great. But man, I could be running after watch, you know, all you people are just want to have the energy, have the heat, all that good shit, but for some reason, I'm like, no, keep them wrong. Uh, well, I know that thing. you have, excuse me, I was just going to say, I know you have the LED experience, and because you've had the opportunity uh, to promote them, that's not the point, um, and, and live with them, you know, and evaluate them and all of that. I think that, you know, you definitely have shown me and Smiley and a few other people, you know, uh, even if you use them in, at, at the flower stage or whatever, maybe you veg under a ceramic metal halide. Um, the quality is so awesome. And then what I see from, um, you know, uh, tent growers, I'm just calling them tent growers because they didn't exist when I got started doing this, you know, so they're tent growers. Um, they have amazingly well-lit, beautiful flowers, you know, I'm just saying with these LED fixtures that aren't generating as much heat and it makes total sense. And I don't think that like uh, the price point on some of even the um, lesser of those is very good, i.e. the um, Mars Hydro. I think you were running some of those. I had my son get some of those and uh, a couple of them and I forget what, they're kind of small, but you know what? that's a hundred times nicer and more efficient than what I first used, you know, which may have been, I think it was a CFL. I mean, come on, it was a CFL. It fucking sucked. <laughs> so I'm just saying that the opportunities and the price points for some of those things are pretty darn good. And I think that the actual quality it, it's right there, isn't it? The density of the bud, the uh, terps, you know, all that stuff. What more are you looking for? I mean, this is coming from somebody who, like yourself, maybe has run even uh, 
HPS up until, you know, a few years ago, you know, I still have two in there. So that's what, that's what I like to run. The HPS do produce very well, but man, the LEDs do, they, you know, denser flower. I've noticed that less goes to waste underneath. They seem to uh, transfer the energy a lot better, quicker flower time, greasier buds. So there's definitely, I don't, you know, again, I don't understand what the the drawback is about pulling them down. I think it's more sentimental, you know, the stickers and shit on them than anything these days. Yeah, the old the old days, the old school days, you know. I definitely now here's the deal. I will probably I only use about half of the available space that I have. It's a dedicated room with like 10 foot ceilings, but it's just like I've only been using half of the room and I could potentially just fill out, you know, like a certain amount of the room, half of it with, uh, you know, ceramic metal halide, which I seem to be exploring, maybe the other half with HPS. But at that point, the heat situation is like a thousand degrees, so it probably won't happen. I just answered my own riddle there. I keep wanting to envision at least this pulling the HPS down and putting up in their place the CMH and seeing how that works for a while. Cause I just, I like the color of the light. It has that, that, that nice, even the um, LEDs have the same type of uh, just blueness to them. You know, I, I like this. I like to see that it, it helps me see the plants naturally. And um, I'm just, first of all, I'm just glad to have anything happy to be growing anything happy to be able to grow in legal time so to speak you know and uh i want to encourage everybody to grow your own medicine and to fight those uh providers who are trying to restrict uh personal grows in places like new jersey and new york and places like that because that's evil and we don't want to hear about it but realize and recognize that places such as washington state you don't have a complete right to grow as a person who doesn't have like a piece of paper and a contract and all this shit with you know somebody else could uh chad westport could tell you the ins and outs of it but i'm just saying there's very various ways of writing laws and uh certain interests you know who have lobbyists and things like that who end up getting these ticky tacky fucked up things for the home grower and the medicine grower and the self grower or the just and what i would call the subsistence grower you know and that goes for anybody anyway. I'm just saying, uh, don't restrict that. Don't let them do it. That's not freedom. We don't, we, this wasn't about us having the freedom to go to the dispensary. It was for us to be able to smoke and grow weed. So I'm not down on the dispensary, but for me, that model doesn't work because it's no different than any other one where you have to pony up the hundred dollar bill every week at least and you know when you're only making four hundred dollars a fucking week that's a lot of money is that right that was the reason i got anything fucking growing was to save that there you, go. <laughs> you know it was then i was buying zips back then and bitching about it nowadays you can fucking spend that the same amount of money and you're not coming home with zips that's for sure. You're fucking coming home with rams. And that's fucking <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's painful. Every time I go in there, man, it's like, oh, well, it's just painful. 
I know it's just painful. I don't even do it anymore. Yeah. If I go in, it's yeah, or an extract, you know, rosin, something I don't do myself that I like to, I still enjoy once in a while, but there I you know, go. I want and I think that sometimes they almost view me as a little bit of rude about it because I, I maybe I am. They'll be like, well, we've got this lovely flower. <laughs> I do that. I do that. I'm here for this. Come on over here. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right. Right. I'm sure you've got some fine flower, way overpriced that I don't want to pay for. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And here's the deal. At that point, it becomes a specialty shop. And you probably will be getting something of a higher grade because the guy who's making that fucking concentrate or hash or whatever is somebody who is who would rather be an artisan. You know what I mean? Who is an artisan at heart because he has all the experience to do it. And he can modulate and operate and also do it at scale. You know, those are all skills that I don't have. Okay. I might say I have them or I might, you know, aspire to have them or acquire them, but it's a skill set. So I'm just saying you, you go there for a certain product occasionally. And of course, they're there. They are the assholes uh, when they're trying to like sell you something that's not good and something that might. I'm not assuming this is the case there, but. Um, you know, it's always spotty. No, they usually because they know. Of me, I guess they usually do not send me off to the shitty end of the counter there. They usually treat me pretty good when I'm in there. I gotta give them some props. Yeah, they do. They good do vibes. Treat me good when I'm there. Yeah. I, I, I might come across as being critical and a little snobby, but it's like this. If you've grown your weed for like, you know, 13 years or however long it is, I'm not an old man, but I've been around weed most of my life. But I did tell you I grew a couple plants that got snipped by the troopers. But it was like this when I was like not knowing how to do anything but grow, grow something green and then I put it outside to grow and then somebody saw it and then they had the guy come and take it, you know. That wasn't that wasn't really like getting in trouble with the fuzz, but it kind of like didn't reinforce my uh, desire to do that particular thing in that place at that time. I had, a, you know, but here's the deal, you know, also you end up like with maybe a lady friend who has this ballast that you've been carrying around for three years. Then someday you find out what that ballast was for. It's like, fuck, I should have kept that thing, fired it up, you know. She'd always talk about these colas at what ten inch colas. Yeah, I was like, good for you. <laughs> I've been guilty of acid seeds at the dispensary. Seriously, like kind of like right behind somebody going, "Oh, you grow that." I've got some seeds. <laughs> and stickers. And stickers. That's awesome. Here you go. You. you know what? If you can do that, and you'll have to excuse my interruption, but if I could do that, like, you know, if I ever do create any quality seeds of any quantity, it would feel very good to hook up locals who don't have the genetics or the wherewithal. To, to source them and you know it wouldn't really cost me very much to do that that's another thing that's kind of like the gift that keeps giving you know 
but selected seeds, you know, from top quality, best F1 you could do. And you get the practice of A doing it. B, you know, you got people out and you kind of like this does things kind of like, you know, the cooperative because anybody who makes a little bit of bread just feeds their face. So you can't really say that's like taking any of your action. Just saying <laughs> if we were to put it into those terms. Um, but, you know, you can have that guy over for dinner, you know, once a week. And if he does need those seeds, you know, those Dow seeds, well, he got some damn good seeds because he got that Bruce Banner too. So it's like this, four of those Bruce Banner seeds, you know, by Cheesequake. So I have faith in that. See, Dow feels beat up because that has shown some unstable characteristics. But I think that growers have unstable characteristics. And I have faith that, you know, it, what come what may come, may come but i think that sounds like a good one that did you do the bruce banner no he didn't pass that one to me i've done the other three but i have not done that one the blue that one was blueberry yeah cow cow hint hint said you pass them there he is right there too oh. I don't have a monitor, but it's like this. I trust you when you say he's there. Don't let him apologize for the strain, first of all. The characteristics that a seed exhibits are outside of your control when they're testers. I bet you 50 cents that those are good seeds. I'm just saying I've come across freaky things in a 10-pack all the time. I know. I you know. I'm. 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 A, I love the misfits. You know what I mean. There you go. There you go. I, I, I'm just I, trying there's to. One in the Columbium right now. This out of all of them, like there's one. This little that little girl right there. You can see her. Look out! You know, mm. out in comparison, is it? You know what I mean. The big one. It, this one right here. This is this is my misfit. Oh, Columbia. The rest of so, them, you know, they're this is the they're all the same age, but some about her that you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I bet it's going to be a hundred to one. It's great smoke. Like right. Um. I just think that small little plant's going to put out some strange terps and strange, you know, uh, cannabinoids and some sugary sugar. Okay, I can see good there. Yeah. So, how are those like, what, how many days? Oh, I, I don't know. I'd have to get out the book. I want to say around 45. Okay, that's all you got. That's, that's good enough for me. So yeah, they've been budding for a while. Good. They're building. No, these aren't even. These aren't even. These are. Oh, I seeds. see. I see. I can't. I can't see that. For some reason, I don't know why I can't see it. Yeah, these. I'm are getting good. to be old. These, these right here. Like, I, this is what I call the like uh, the on deck or the warm up area. You know. Okay. They, they, I was out of it. I'm just going to confer. I was out of it. I, d I could see like little like um, reveg buds, 
that were about maybe like, you know, day 30 of Reveg or something like that. That wasn't what I was thinking, though. I mean, that's what I was seeing. No, not even. These, none of these none of these have been flowered. Back there, back under in that one tent, back there, them are flowered. These are all in flower. The bigger girls are in flower. These aren't. That makes total sense. Yeah, it's kind of like maybe yeah. I ingested some cannabis and then I got stoned and then I talked about all these things with Eagle and then I started talking shit with Eagle too. Like, you know. That's that's the that's that's like veg right behind me that's into. So basically, you know, a little further over there is like cloning and seeds. Oh right there. That's um, cool. Usually and uh, right now, they, you know, and th that this area will be you know, expanding here quick. So basically, nice. two gallons, and then there'll be threes, and then there's actually uh, another. There's actually another light that you can't see up there <laughs> that if I need to, oh, okay, can drop for okay. like a pre another day. But then, then they usually go from like three gallons up in here to this like on deck area where they'll like sit in under a okay. 24. But now they're getting uh, slowly uh, adjusted to the HPS, you know, for like a week or so. Yeah, yeah. You know, they push the roots out, get used to the different light, and then bam, they'll go into the next phase. So, you've been kind of doing doing um, you know revolving type of uh, harvest perpetual harvest type of thing forever, right? Isn't that your kind of not that you have a modus, but part of your thing? Yeah, and and you're lucky to have a certain number that you can you know if that's you know a workable thing. Uh, that's nice to see. It looks like you're not in over your head. It looks like each of your workstations are uh, you know kind of tailored to your needs you being a little bit of a carpenter you know you can kind of tailor and work with the space that you're in i think that's pretty cool yeah yeah this is actually part of a you it actually goes <laughs> around oh. uh, that's uh, awesome man there's 4k here and then there's still the leds back the other side here uh, yeah, I might actually, uh, it's a 72 plant or count bro. Not that I utilize all 72, but right. Know, yeah, I hear you. I, I, I think it's just, it, it shows what you can do though. It's like, or a person can do, uh, a humble slice grow. I would say not to say anything about your, uh, thing, but you're not going beyond yourself and yet it's, it's getting a lot of good medicine out there and you have your personal too. And I think it's it's kind of like you're closer to doing right than I would consider myself, but it's like this: I'm taking care of myself, and that counts for something. I'd like to see, and I've always been a big advocate for the perpetual. You know, even on a small scale, you know, uh, you can offer yourself a little bit better of a variety. You know, even here in Michigan. Yes. I, yes. No card, nothing. Twelve plants. If you stagger that in yeah. a four-four-four, 
you harvest yes. it for every sure. you fresh, but yep. you never overwhelm. You know, that's that's no. no I, could, I I always have done. I, I did it a lot too. It matches my style when I have enough stock and healthy enough rotation. That's what I, I do because it's like this. I've always wanted to have the variety and I didn't necessarily have the numbers. So, you know, you'd put in like two of this plant, you know, two of this one, rarely you'd have four sometimes, you know, but because of the seed outlets, you know, they gave you the freebie seeds. Sometimes you'd get to try new things too. So you might sometime have seven different, plants when you got your harvest or you know uh have 13 different weeds in a jar you know little milestones for when you feel like you've at least done right by having grown something and you know what you can't complain if you've got 13 types of weed in your jars no no you can't complain at all and now again like you said you know you're delegating the perpetual if I were trying to do this on a mono crop, you know, come to the end there would be, you know, harvest, oh, right. I would never get, you know, it's got to keep things manageable, like you say. And the way things are set up now, it's it's perfect for a one man team, <laughs> a one man team yeah. like myself. Well, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, we, we have an audience of people here. Who have a lot of different interests and whatnot but some people might be coming to it say in their retirement or something like that and you know one person garden can be a challenge but it's like this there's no easier time i think to do it than now in other words there's a lot of uh things that can help people you know uh, grow good cannabis regardless i'm just thinking you know uh, uh monitoring systems you know things like that you can do controls things like that you know i mean it's like you know it's not all physical they can get they can work on their vpd <laughs> if you know what i mean yeah so you, i laugh about that because i'm sorry i cut you i just i i'll just gonna say it. it's not that i don't i'm laughing at what i don't understand because i may not entirely understand it but i think i did at one point and secondly i just cracked the door I have a big clacking fan over there. It just does what it does, and I do what I do, and it keeps my, by cracking my door year-round, it keeps my room cool. And that's kind of why I do it. And I feel like a little bit of fresh air ain't going to hurt nothing. And uh, some people even think that carbon uh, dioxide comes in through the air. You know, just that, or CO two comes in that that way. So I'm just saying, I'm like a natural person. Um, I'm not like a, a good person or a better person, but I'm just saying I'm, I tend to be natural, and I don't like to like persecute myself if I don't keep a regime because it's all mine and I'm responsible for it and all of that. So I'm just saying, it's like it's a relationship. I don't feel like I have to, you know if something bad or is out of balance in my garden, I'm sensitive to it. You know, I, I, I never had bugs like the kind that um, people have, but I've been hit by thrips from time to time. And even those can piss you off. Fuck. Yeah. I don't like to have like all ugly leaves, you know? I, so that's a pain in the ass. But uh, at the same time, I'm just saying, 
I, I'm just going to turn it around and just say, I'm very grateful to grow. I'm grateful to have people like Smiley, like Jack, Greenstock, you know, uh, yourself, uh, Modern Genetics, uh, Ali Noble, uh, Stumu, the whole crew. These are world-class growers from all over the world, top four genetics. I'm just saying all over the world, you know, 808, you know, uh, and we never really even had it. We couldn't be united ever before. And now we can be. And cannabis lovers united cannot be divided. <laughs> it sounded good. It sounded, it blended. It, it uh, flowed yeah. very well. I'll just be it funny, but you know, the point is, is that hats off to you all. If you guys have any questions, just ask everybody, ask, ask the guy who, who, you know, DMs you, you know, these people are very, very generous with their information. And, uh, you know, if they don't know, they'll tell you somebody who does, but, you know, don't go to some little, uh, chat where everybody's saying 1700 different things and being all weird about it. Cause you ain't going to get the truth there. The spirit of the truth is like, you know, it exists despite doubt. It, it, it is despite hate, you know, and, uh, you know, we're all good. But it's a plant of love. And that's all I have to say. It's a plant of love. It definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah. All those emotions and chat yeah jack greenstock's looking at my pictures and he's giving me a bunch of likes and it's it's making me feel like jack's pretty cool but you guys know that and secondly if there's anybody out there uh i, I want to say one thing i want to speak to one thing i want to speak about cannabis and mental health if anybody out there is depressed if anybody's out there's on medication if anybody's out there not taking medication and they need it. I'm just saying. And I'm not to say need in the sense of like evaluative thing. I don't know and I don't really care. But I'm going to say this. Take care of yourself. Find your own truth. If you can find it within the experience of cannabis. Take that truth. You know, that soul truth. But if you know, if it takes a little bit more than that, some, some medicine and cannabis. You know, like a couple pills a day or something, something that ain't going to put you out. You might just see if you can't cure yourself. I don't know how that works, but I think it can work in certain ways. So I encourage you with that. And if anybody has any insights on that, you could let me know sometime uh, your story or some meditations upon it or something. That Because it's like this. I found cannabis to be a healer and you know whatever diagnosis i might have concurred in this life or incurred in this life what if it was like called uh uncurable or only remission or lifelong i have a hard time fucking accepting that i resist that it's taken me fucking 25, 30 years to get to where I am today to be able to walk and say, hey, man, 
it's all right. You know, I'm all right. So in the spirit of health, be real with yourself. You don't want to have any problems that you don't need to have. Very wise man, very wise man. Well, Mr. Buddha boy, we got a oh, few yeah. things we got to go over before we kind of wrap things up. We've almost went the whole distance. Now you've actually earned your, you've actually earned your colors tonight, brother. Now you did well, there the you same go. invitation. The same invitation that you have now is is the invitation that that we use for the wormhole and everything else. So you're always welcome to pop on now anytime you want. You know, it doesn't have to be a holiday or a special episode. I've enjoyed the encounters I've had with you. You you're a very uh, enlightening fellow and uh I always enjoy your perspective on things. So I'm looking forward and hope that you you use that invitation. Uh, and again, it's an invitation because that's what it is. Don't feel that I have to DM you and be like, Buddha boy, you need to come on. No, oh, yeah, it's yeah. an invitation. It's always good. <laughs> you, know? I, I, you know what? It's, the idea is an honor and not to interrupt you as you go along. And here's the deal. Sometimes I don't play well with others. I'll tell you the truth. Um, because I'm like, you know, I can sometimes say, shut the fuck up, listen to me. And, you know, if I do that sometimes, everybody's like, uh, what? What did you just say? And then, you know what? Every time I've ever made an ass of myself, and it's quite often, I'm pretty good at this, I apologize. I say I'm sorry. Sorry should be enough. Because you get on my nerves. So fuck the fuck off. Don't tell me about, you know, dot, <laughs> dot. No, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. No, I love you guys, man. I look forward to it. I can't wait to sit there and, and shoot the shit with you guys in the um, rabbit hole or the wormhole. For sure, for sure. I still must, I still interchange the two myself, the rabbit hole and the wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> they'll always be one and the same. They had to be done, though. I mean, seriously, it had to be done. I I, I don't know. I uh, I hear it. it. It had to be done because even though, like, you know what I mean? How like you buy that car and you know you see all of a sudden now you see that Dodge truck everywhere. That's what that's what the wormhole was or the rabbit hole. But when it changed, I didn't see. The wormhole everywhere, you know what I mean. As frequently as I seen the rabbit hole come on, but no, it had to be done. It had to be done. Had it's to some deep stuff. It's a deep stuff, and it definitely is in the cosmic zone of the quantum realities that we all speak in truths and untruths a thousand times a second, going forwards, backwards, sideways, and upside down. So here's the deal: get horizontal with it, because uh, we're gonna do the limbo. Modern genetics is laying it down. That's right. We cannot forget the good old sound bite. Man, I gotta I'm so glad that I hold on I got, okay. 
Uh, so glad that uh, I'm back things up these days. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, okay. Uh, that's the first for Zoom. It must now do that. Uh, I am recording this. So, um, yeah, I need the soundbite, my friend. I needed the Buddha Boy soundbite for episode 410. Can you be so graceful to drop me a soundbite, my friend? Sure. Hey, you have been watching Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 410, with your friend Buddha Boy and Eagle, and the rest of our nice friends in the chat and online on YouTube. We will see you again. But here's the deal. If you're going to hang out, don't hang low. Hang high. A little bit of theater, right? You know, you got to invoke the magic of the show. Love you guys. Love you, Eagle. We've got 10 minutes we can do it. We plan to go to 420, but you got to get the legwork done. Can't rush that stuff and at the 420 mark, Mr. Westport. Getting this has been fun, Al. I have been totally enjoyed tonight, and uh, I'd like to thank you again. I'd like to deeply uh, thank you for making it a little easier to kind of slide back into things, and uh, I appreciate you pointing out that I'm catching the fact that. Uh, it is weird on the hundreds on that aspect of things. It's like I every hundred I come up on one I I realize in the seriousness of uh, what I'm doing and I you know every I want to it's like a self check that uh, on the hundreds that I want to make for make sure that things are on the right path doing it for the right reasons and uh, the show's going in the direction that everybody wants it to go in. That's what kind of the 100 bugaboo is for me. Right. It's a, rela- it's a reflection number for me. And it's weird because it's always been on the 100s. I never laid it out that way. It's just every time they come on, I don't know what it is, but it's like oh shit, it's coming. Yeah, I man. Fucking but the three well, to fours, be- man, I don't know. I don't know what that, the three to four seemed like, man. The three to four era seemed like a year all in itself for some fucking oh, wow. reason. Wow. <laughs> because you were in the ozone. Now, you sometimes the world is distorted that way. You know, I mean, you could hear like uh, – a physicist say one thing, somebody who's a visual artist say another thing, you know, but here's the deal. The rhythm of our lives, the numer- the numeric quotients of our lives, that how things add up, you may see things more in numbers. I might see things, you know, more in a different part of the senses, you know, we can modulate or even change in that. But I think there's some magic in that. And I think that's something that you probably see, but there's also some intensity to it. Without a doubt, without a doubt, this thing's, 
I, I, I this is my passion project and for those who you know have wondered about you know lately there's one thing i can tell you i may have had a rough road and i talked to uh people today about all this but one thing you can count on is i'm no fucking quitter you know what i mean i'm very no you're not i called out that that fucking thousand that thousand number and even though I'm double up sometimes with the wormhole, I don't necessarily count the wormhole in that number. But even if wow, I you had should. to finish <laughs> bruised and beat like fucking Rocky at the end of this fucking thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it to that fucking number. So right on. No, you do it, but we'll take see. care of yourself on the way, along the way. Sorry to, to interject, just you know modulate it's like training you have to go hard for two weeks and that third week you got to ease off and then the fourth week you go hard and you work on your weaknesses you work on your strengths you know but it's always it's called uh period periodization and what that is it's it's the cycle of weeks in which the training cycles go and you break it into like 12 week cycles and things like that and you give yourself rest periods and, you know, I'm just saying that's that's one way of breaking it up. And I think that for any endeavor, even if like I was writing the book, you know, that maybe I'll, I'll try to do sometime. Um, you can only go burning the candle so hard for so long. But if you do it at the right time, it seems effortless. I'm just saying, you know, but you don't want to get derailed by some unrealistic productivity goal or status goal or something like that that adds psychological pressure to you in which uh, your actual potential for learning in the moment becomes stymied. And that's, I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm just saying for me personally, it's probably true. Well, and this thing's an easy thing to kind of want to keep going. So it, and it gets easier and easier to do. And I don't know. I, it doesn't burn me out. Like I've talked to, I've okay. talked about before. This has been the highlight, and, uh, you know, and a lot, you know, I enjoy doing this. This is by far a passion project for me. You know what I mean? This isn't one of those things that uh, I dread doing. This is still something I'm very, very passionate about. And uh, I, I very, very much plan to do it. And, uh, you know, again, we did check-ins that when I did stop, you know, for the week, I thought it was super cool that uh, people checked in, you know, all that good shit. It, it made my heart swell. But I'm curious, uh, you know, and then with talking about keeping the, the show with the everybody's interest in hand, I really, really want to do... Uh, the conversation wheel that I've talked about for like the wormhole for the cricket. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you can still hear that cricket, but I can hear it. Bitching. <laughs> You're a fucking trooper because Chance has been like, kill that motherfucker. <laughs> can, can I tell you something? I, I'm a nature boy. <laughs> I like the sound of nature. If it was Koki frogs in Hawaii or Puerto Rico, I'd be like, 
all right, man, I can live with that. That's a little obnoxious, but those are fucking frogs in the trees. And then with, you know what I'm saying, is like uh, a cricket to me is like actually kind of an exotic thing that uh, a creature that I kind of like. So unless he was in my house right here, right now, in my, you know, little bunk, I have a part of my strategy is I have a bunk. I call this kind of a grow studio and maybe sometime we'll, I'll share it with you, but it's got a, a bed and it's got a seedling area. Then it's got a veg area. And then in another room, it's got a flowering room, but it's all within, you know, kind of a Japanese style, almost modular. It's like, it's hard to, it's, it's built by on wood. And then the side of the house has a Rastafarian flag painted on it with the lion of Judah. Because this is my spiritual temple, and I'm a Rastafarian, and this is my freedom of religion. I'm not joking, but I mean, it's just a fact. Anybody who knows me knows it's true. You know, Rasta Bob, shout out to Rasta Bob. <laughs> He's got to be one of the coolest people I've heard of on the net, speaking of which, you know, shout out to Rasta Bob. He's actually here in Michigan, and I need to get my ass down there to see him. I mean, how how oh. often does that opportunity come around? Jeez. Uh, yeah. Check it out. Open, possibly Friday, like that, making that happen. But, oh, yeah. That, that would be cool. I'd love to see Texas. And that's one of the few people that's actually fucking smoked me just... I, and I, I've done 420 episodes, you know, 24 episodes, 24-hour episodes. But, man, that kid outright smoked me out during his episode. <laughs> He's serious business, man. He is the highest. He, he has the energy of, you know, a very unique perspective. And, you know, what he speaks of is, like, education. So that's what I, why I say just respect to, to him. And... Uh, you know, may we see the world through his eyes a little bit more. You know, sometimes he shares uh, his segments of his reality with us. And I think that's pretty damn cool. It is, it is. They're still talking about that damn cricket in chat. It's funny once you mention that, I, they focus on it. That thing, you know what's funny is, this time last year when the cricket surfaced up, even after the cricket, it seemed like the cricket traveled. So, like, even if I didn't have the cricket that night, the guests had the cricket. <laughs> and no matter I, I, what, I got blamed curse for of the, the cricket. cricket. <laughs> yeah. it, it is what it is. You know, it's like this. It's the animal world trying to crack your subconscious and say, hello, hello, hello. Hello, 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 until you just want to say goodbye. And it's not pretty. <laughs> no, those things kind of annoy me. I have some mosquitoes. I have the door cracked, like I said, but I can tell one of the kids brought something in for me and I can tell that they left the door open because of the amount of mosquitoes that are coming in. Is it starting to cool off outside? It's actually kind of funny because if I was the Dalai Lama, I wouldn't want to like smack them. I keep score. I like to like really get them. 
I'm missing Dr. Buzz Lightyear acetones because uh, man, that cat gave me more shit about the, the cricket. And I enjoyed I enjoyed his comments and chat anywho, but it's been a minute since he's popped oh. up and I have sent him messages and hey what's really? up and I have no no seen no looks or nothing and uh, so worried about that guy man he made me laugh. That cat made me laugh all the time. And nice. you know who else has been missing that, that we all need to kind of shake down if you haven't shook him or if you don't, if you have the means, because I've sent emails, is uh, fucking 420-420. I honestly think uh, he misinterpreted one day when I... Uh, because I think he was in chat that day. Oh. It was just after 420. And I was pissy about 420. The day the episode. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was kind of, I think he thought I was bitching about him, to be honest with you. And I have not seen him on the show or in chat in quite some time. And I have shot, I've well, sent him a message too. Yeah. So if you guys don't I, I, need to, you know, reach it out, say, hey, fucker, come back. Yeah, hey, fucker. <laughs> I, first of all, I love you, 420, 420, because I know you're going to come and watch this because you're secretly watching them. You hit, you won the lottery. You got new shoes. You got them propped up in front of you. You're feeling real good. So here's the deal. When we see you next, we'll try not to hug you, but we're going to give you a big hug because we miss you. And here's the deal, 420, 420. You're our friend, and we keep track, and we want to know where you are right now. And, you know, with that being said, too, yeah, we miss these, miss these nugs, too. I hit her with messages every so often. Oh, man. Oh. She's sweet as can be. You know that. Uh, yeah, now 420, 420's got to come back and do his episode, because it's just like... He's been on and stated, oh, no, I'm not doing an episode. I'm interviewing you. You kind of That's said exactly the same what he thing. said. <laughs> well, you, you know, here's the deal. I, I told you, yeah, you're going to come on. you like, yeah, not anytime soon. When I'm ready, I'm ready. I'll reach out to you. And Well, man, you, you know, were, here's the deal. You were ready. You did reach out. I thought about this, okay, and I did think about this. And this is just like, guys, this is behind the scenes, you know, part of our community anxieties and rites of passage and intimacies, you know, and things like that, because we get all learn an awful lot about each other. And I thought to myself, why have I not gone on? Why did it take me six months to finally get around to going on fucking talking shit with Eagle? When in fact, I know pretty much we see eye to eye on just about everything. But, uh, and I th said, it's because I wasn't ready. That was my conclusion. And, you know, it's just, we've got to be in a space where we are ready to open up to people and to be real and kind of take it to the next level, so to speak. So, you know, I'm, I'm on board with the fact that the people out there, our friends, um, need a little bit of inspiration and sometimes a kick in the pants, but most of the time, just a little bit of support. And it's good to see each and every one of you each day here 
and you know don't don't do this at the expense of anything else but you know come and visit as often as possible but you know live a well-rounded life well i think we're good said, right yeah i think we're done appreciate you uh, again man I can't thank you enough for hanging out and doing the whole episode, the whole, the whole shebang bang. We made it through, and I get to brag all day. I got to smoke with a Buddha tomorrow. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Well, here's the deal. Uh, job bless. Uh, may your pipe always be full, and may your buds glisten. And, and your chirps. said, thank. You. Okay, cut job, okay. Terrible. Oh, uh, spill over light champagne. There you go. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Buddha. With that being said, I can't thank you enough, Buddha. I can't thank you enough. You guys are awesome that tune in yourself, Buddha, with all the kind words that every night you I see I see those comments at the end of the shout outs. And yours is always there. And I always look forward to seeing it. And I'm very grateful for it. So thank you and everybody else that helped make this journey possible. It works both ways. Trust me. You know, I'll, I'll never fucking take your money for doing this. Because I, it's an honor to hang with as many great people that tune in every night as it is for you guys to tune in on this. So, you know, it is what it is. Stay the way it is. So thank you for an amazing night. Thank you. You guys are interested in throwing an idea on that idea wheel. Please DM me with a possible conversation that you'd like to see on that wheel. If you'd like to do like Buddha Boy and donate his time to this community, this effort, please DM me at Eagle Gardens One. Fucking talking shit with Eagle on Instagram or eaglegardens1 at gmail.com. And we'll have another great night in the community. Again, thank you, my friend. We are out of here, you guys. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I am a living, breathing example of that. And great folks like myself and Buddha Boy, show me it's possible every day so thank you thank you my friend and see you guys tonight with I believe it is Big John Gross will be here tomorrow <laughs> oh, I need to fill that book get a hold of me 